All right, we are live. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. No intro music for the show today. My computer was doing weird things and I couldn't get it to pop up, but we're live. Share this out, share this out, share this out. All right, this is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. And I'm sure you can see on your screen, I have a guest here. I'm going to have a couple guests today. Today's going to be an extended show. We're going to do probably about three hours, depends on, on how much we gab or what we don't gab, right? But right this second, I have Paul Wallace here with, with me in the in the studio here, and we're going to talk about a couple of things he's got. He's working with Stephen and Evan Strong down there in Down Under, where he's from in Australia, and they're working with a, a lot of stuff and good things going on there with a lot of really, really uh, intense, you'll have to, we'll, we'll get into it, we'll let him get into it. Uh, but a lot of stuff that we need to know. Here's here's Stephen and Evan now. So do you want me to pop them up right now, uh, Paul? Or do we want to sure wait? Thing. Pop them in, right? Let's bring them in. So you guys are lucky. These guys just popped in right now to to come on. They didn't have to because they, they were supposed to be coming in later. But here they are. So we're going to add them to the stream. There's Evan. What's up? There you go. Uh, I was just making sure everything was working. So um, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not quite here at the moment. So, yeah, I'll, I'll pop back in a little bit just for to say hello to everyone. And, right. Yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll pop back in just beforehand. All right, way to go! Right, there's already people saying hi to you guys in the in the chat. By the way, <laughs> hi so, everyone. Yeah, when you're ready, just pop back in, and we'll bring you back in. You can stay if you want. Just stay in the green room, right? And then uh, so I'll, I'll I'll put you back in the green room. You won't be able cool. to say anything. If you want in? Just you know, just give me the thumbs up or text me and say, Leo, put me in. Right? Sounds great. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll leave you both to it. Okay, thank you. All right, good deal. All right, so he's a, he's back in the green room, so they can hear us now. They can see us. It's just you guys out there can't hear or see them, right? Okay, so I'm here with with Paul Wallace, and I apologize, you know, but we're impromptu live. You know how it goes, right? We're live, and he popped in. I didn't want to be rude and leave him sit there for for a, you know an hour. Um, so yeah, so Melissa, yes, there's people in the crowd. They're they're talking. Uh, Denise says hi, Paul. I don't know if you can see the chat, uh, but she nice. says hi. And so you guys share this out. Share this out. Those of you who. Uh, who are in fact in my regulars, you know all that stuff. Share it out to everybody everywhere on the planet. Let's get some listeners in here, right? Okay, so we have Paul uh, Paul Wallace here with us today and um, I'm going to start with him and we're gonna start with him and then we're gonna talk about what's going on. And I like to do this because not a lot of people do and this is very important. Uh, he and I were talking about this off air, uh, the, the, the background is, is kind of important. So if you guys don't know who Paul Wallace is, which you should, but if you don't, you're gonna know now. So, Paul, say hello to everybody. And here's my question, just like I posed it to you before: How did you get started in all of this? Let's start with that, and then bring us through that whole that whole part of your life. Okay. All right. Well, good day, Leo. Thank you for having me on your show today. I'm speaking to you from New South Wales, so I am a good morrow. I'm in the future here. And to answer your question, how did I get into all of this? I should say what this is, first of all, because people know me because my current books, Escaping from Eden and The Scars of Eden, talk about the subject of paleo contact. The subtitle of The Scars of Eden is, Has Humanity Confused the Idea of God with Memories of E.T. Contact? Uh, my work argues that our ancestors did have E.T. contact, that our planet was colonized, in the deep past, and that the memory of those times, sometimes happy memories, sometimes traumatic memories, are embedded in ancestral narratives all around the world. I also look at what are the implications of that, the evidences of that 
in the world today? What's the legacy of that? What do we see in our geopolitics, in our psychology as a species that reflects that? Um, how does that speak to our potential as human beings? What kind of life can we lead? Can we have a better human experience than this in the light of the information that our ancestors have curated? So that's all the area that I'm into. That's how I'm in conversation with Stephen and Evan Strong and the team there. And how did I get into it? Well, there are quite a few start points to this story, but probably a significant one is when I was five or six years old, I went to a Church of England school in the UK where I grew up. And we were being given the, the mainstream answers to the great questions of life in that little primary school. So that would be the modern scientific consensus of who we are, where we came from. And then we'd have the religious answer as well. Well, God made us. And that was the universe that was being presented to me at that young age. And then one day, and I wouldn't have been any older than six years old, the headmistress, Mrs. May, said, Mrs. Clark's class are going to come in and teach us a new hymn. And Mrs. Clark was the one teacher who could play the piano. So she came in and she taught this new hymn that began with the words, when Jesus was a little boy. And it went on to say, when Jesus was a little boy, he was good as gold. He was the perfect student. He never gave any cheek to his teachers. He was the perfect child, was always polite and obedient to his parents. And that's how you should be children. And that was the message of the hymn. And I sat there as a six-year-old thinking, I'm not buying this. This is ridiculous. This is so transparent. They're just trying to get us to toe the line. And so in some six-year-old way, I had just identified how institutional religion can hijack an historical figure like Jesus and use Jesus as a means of trying to manage the crowd, the crowd of kids in that instance. And I went home and I talked to my dad about it because I was really a bit annoyed by this. And my dad was uh, sitting reading a newspaper as, as dads did in those days, and had one of those sort of half-conscious conversations with his kid that all of us parents do from time to time. And I said, you know, they talk about God as if they know what they're talking about, Dad, but they haven't met God. No one's seen God. For all they know, their God could be a giant green dragon. And I remember saying that, and he just said, yes, yes, you're probably right. Well, I think that was a significant moment for me for a couple of reasons. And one was that it revealed that I was someone who was going to ask questions of the mainstream answers, which I did from the get-go. It meant that from the get-go, I could see there's a night and day difference between institutional religion and the figures they refer to, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, Buddha, whoever. So you were six years old when you were difference. already thinking that. I was thinking in those terms. In a six-year-old way, I could see what was going on. Now, after the study I've done, because in a funny way that led me into 33 years in Christian ministry, studying the Bible and other ancient texts, now I realize those words about the giant green dragon actually held a lot more truth in them than ever I realized. It's only in recent years that I've discovered through translation work that the Bible is full of giants green 
dragons as it happens and there has been a great confusion as to when it's talking about god and when it's talking about dragons but i made a huge journey from that point to that point and it was 33 years in christian ministry an archdeacon for the anglican church here in australia a church doctor theological educator but in all that journey i had these questions in my mind about where we'd all come from and en route i'd bumped into the work of eric von daniken at the age of 11 and my parents introduced me to his work and i felt he had put his finger on a gap in our ability to explain ourselves as an intelligent conscious technological species evolution doesn't get you there god made a special doesn't get you there there's a gap in the story and eric von daniken named it and he said maybe our understanding of evolution would make a little more sense if we allowed for the possibility of external interventions now he wasn't the first to say that plato two and a half thousand years ago said the same thing but it was eric von daniken who first said it to me and so that just nurtured these questions in my mind from the age of five the age of 11 all all through until just a few years ago when i had the time to get back to those questions and drill down into those questions and as a bit of a linguist go back to the texts and ask what do these words really mean and it was that that got me into all this territory that we're exploring today see that's that's incredible when you think about that that's why i was like and you were six when you first had i mean i i had thoughts like that but i don't think it was when i was six i know that somewhere younger but i think i was a teenager when i started like you started going wait a minute that's just that seems like i don't know but i never thought about that being you know they have no idea it could be a, a dragon but in a sense you're absolutely right so that's that's incredible it's an incredible story and i and and i kind of knew that like i said i think someone asked you that once if not i must have read it so i knew your background i know i read your bio so it talked about it there but it didn't get into the details so i thought people need to know this right? and i don't know if people ask this enough because all of what and correct me if i'm wrong all of what we're figuring out now and this is why this is so important is that our history has been been askewed and we've been lied to so we need to uncover our past to actually understand who we are now who we have exactly. been and who we can become am i correct in that that is exactly right that's what the scars have been is all about peeling the peeling the layers back and realizing okay. there's other history that has survived but has kind of got hidden mistranslated or deliberately suppressed right and we know that there's been a lot of that and even lately well, there's a lot of a lot of uh, you know even the, the different people who work with the ancient aliens and you guys all have uh, but that you know that we know like with the elongated skulls that there was a story there that they've been lying to us about and they've been hiding this and that that you know for me and i'm sure for you because we've had you know i've seen these conversations and i've talked to Stephen and evan several times when it's like when your parents take something from you or tell you you can't do that it makes you want to do it more so you know, for me, I'm thinking they're trying to hide the history, but they're doing it in a way that's making people like me, you, who ask questions, want to ask those questions more. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. But we're in really strange days at the moment because there seems to be a drip, drip of disclosure on various fronts happening. And elongated skulls is just one of them that, you know, in the news, drip, 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 we're being told that the storyline of Homo sapiens 
is much more complicated than ever we thought, that there were far more hominids on the planet in the past and that the story that produced us has obviously got some layers in it that haven't been in, in our textbooks up until this point. So there's more information out there like that that would whet our appetite because, Leo, when you and I are, were at school, it was a very simple story of a single line of evolution. The hominids get better and better and better until they produce people who look like us. Right. And that is no longer the story. And so the question of what made the change, what fused those chromosomes, how many start points were there, how, how is it us and not our near neighbours who survived, so on and so forth. We are being invited, I think, to probe and to look again and to ask questions. So there's a li still a mix, there always is, of, of disclosure and cover-up, of disclosure and secrecy. There's always that blend. But... I do think there's a lot happening that's wanting us to be a little bit more prepped for our world to change. It's happening on that front, happening with regard to the cosmos, drip, drip information about evidence of, you know, life on Mars, life on Venus, life on other planets, water out there in the cosmos, Earth-type planets. Bit by bit, the picture is filling out and inviting us to think again about our place in the cosmos. So, you know, there are times in history when people who have uh, curated, let's say, forbidden knowledge or ancestral knowledge have had to hide it and bury it so that it'll survive. But we're now at a point where they're allowed to bring a bit more of that out and put it on the table. And so it's a really exciting time for, for me to be in the field and doing the research I'm doing and making it public because there's more of an appetite and there's more of a freedom to do it. Yeah, you know, and I was going to I was going to go down there. It's a good thing you went down the road. Do you think that there is you – now, we know that there's an effort to keep the information from us, but it seems like there's also an effort from on the inside or the, the, you know, the people in the know – that there are people in there trying to leak this stuff out. Does it seem like that to you, or is it really more us? Oh, yeah. No, I think all that is going on. I think, first of all, we assume that, um, let's say, we assume that the 1% all think the same, for instance, or we assume that everyone in the Pentagon thinks the same, <laughs> or everyone in the U.S. government thinks the same, and, and they don't. So some in the Pentagon would like to reveal far more of what's going on and some would like to hold back. So there's that mix going on. I think some of the disclosure that we're seeing, for instance, we've got the Senate briefings later this month, right. is almost an insurance against disclosure. But we will put just enough out there so that if some other authority discloses, we can just make one step and say, uh, yeah, that's right. Um, so, for instance, just to just to jump onto the UFO phenomenon and questions around that, we've lived for a long time with an official narrative that says there is no UFO phenomenon. Well, if all of a sudden it becomes blindingly obvious, not only that there is, but that we've been in contact for 70 years at covert government levels, it's a very difficult leap politically to make. But if you can do a mid-step and say, oh, no, it's real, we just don't know what they are, then it's much easier if all of a sudden it's blindingly obvious to say, oh, we just found out what they are. And so 
in that sense, a disclosure can be an insurance against somebody else disclosing. And we've seen that happen before on the question of populated universe. It happened a decade ago with the Roman Catholic Church and the Royal Society coming out. The Roman Catholic Church did its colloquium. Much to everyone's shock and surprise, this five-day symposium of top scholars and theologians discussing the theological implications of contact with other, i.e. ET, civilizations. Right. And people are thinking, why are they talking about this? And they come out and they say, there's no issue. We should be ready for it sooner than anyone anticipates, they kept saying. We should be ready to embrace a brother or sister alien. And it gave all the appearance that it was an insurance against another authority revealing that we we're in contact so that the church could then say, oh, don't you remember we talked about this? There's no problem. Right. And the Pope now, said that. He actually said when they yeah, said, they did. do you think there's UFOs or aliens? He said there's room for our God to be the creator of everything. Exactly. What? The Pope has said that and senior spokespeople, senior spokespeople for the previous Pope, who is incredibly conservative. Right. And yet his advisor in uh, Paranormal came forward and and said, no, there, there are other kinds of entities that need serious study and close encounters are not demonic. They're not psychotic breaks. There's something real. Then we had the chief of the uh, Vatican Observatory saying right. we should be ready to embrace brother or sister aliens. Then we had the senior astronomer, uh, Guy Consolmagno, saying we shouldn't be surprised to encounter these because they're in the Bible. So it was all very, very pushy basically saying all these questions need to be back on the table and in brackets we're sorry for executing people in the past for suggesting there was life on other planets because now we think there probably is well this was mind-blowing now yeah. if you go back look for those articles where all that was said a lot of them aren't online anymore and the reason for that clearly is there's been a bit of a backpedaling because there was no other disclosure made by another authority. And so they just took a little bit of a step back. And that's a case study in insurance against disclosure. And that's sort of happening on a lot of fronts. I mentioned UFOs, but I think you mentioned the skulls and the history of human evolution is happening on that front as well. Right. And I think to an extent, the question of previous civilizations and previous cultures on planet Earth. There's heaps of information out there to catch people's attention if they're ready to join the dots. Yeah, and you know, I was going to frame the question a different way, but I don't like the way I was going to frame that question now. Um, yeah, you know, I agree with that. Do you think that some of it has to, uh, uh, to do with, in the modern era now, we have all of these independent companies creating rockets do you think they've been forced in a way to speed that up? Or do you think that was part of their whole plan to step back? Because if not, they're going to be going out there soon. It's going to be hard for people to cover up. There's something else out there. If you have five different companies that are privately owned flying around out there, am I wrong? Uh, yeah, absolutely right, Leo. The more countries that have a space program and the more private companies that are out there doing stuff, clearly the less secure is the practice and policy of non-disclosure. Right. Uh, and so that destabilizes things at a human level. If we are in contact and in contact with a range of ET demographics, then you've got to think about what's the policy at that level. There's been a policy of non-disclosure there. Maybe that's a little bit more fragile. 
than it's been in the past. And maybe it, what the Catholic Church did was an insurance against hundreds of UAPs flying through our airspace because some demographic up there has said, oh, blow this for a laugh. We're just going to get on with what we want to do. So there are those layers uh, to the story as well. But I think my suspicion, and it's just a suspicion, that where you've got high-profile companies, organizations, to the Stars Academy, Elon Musk, involved in this whole field, I think where they're given permission to operate, there must be an MOU somewhere. Right. Um, there must be terms in the background of how much has to be kept secret um, before you're allowed to really operate. It was certainly done to everyone involved in the Mercury and Apollo programs that anyone in those programs would be bound by layers and layers of official secrets laws. I can't believe for one moment that government would have not bothered with something similar with private companies involved in the same arena. So I think, again, that's just another aspect of disclosure and cover-up always going hand in hand. So, for instance, we're getting declassified documents now, even from the Pentagon, about uh, ET contact or, or UFO contact, I should say. Right. And what does that mean? Well, I think you have to realize that governments always communicate to us on a need-to-know basis. That's the bottom line. So the bottom line is always non-disclosure. So when you get a declassified case study, that's great. What was the case study that wasn't declassified? Yeah. When you get the declassified document, that's great. What are the bits in black? What are the redacted bits? Yeah, what are you leaving or, out? <laughs> or if you get a whole document unredacted, this is lovely. What folder did this come from? <laughs> what, right. what was the research this was part of? Why was it set up? What was its conclusion? There's always that mix of disclosure and non-disclosure in together. But what I find exciting and what I focus on in the Scars of Eden is that there is always a grassroots knowledge of what's going on. And to, if I illustrate it while we're talking UFOs, there was a, a very famous mass sighting in Australia in 1966 uh, in a Melbourne suburb where three uh, UFO craft buzzed two adjacent schools and hundreds of people witnessed it. 200 people involved in those schools witnessed it. At the time, within minutes, the military was there. US military was there. Uh, the police were there. Government representatives were there. A little further down the track, the media were all there. And yet, more than 50 years later, the official government story is that nothing happened on the 6th of April 1966. Well, about 10 years ago, a, uh, an Australian researcher wanted to follow up on this story. And he went to Channel 9 that he knew had been there on the day, filming and talking to the children and to the eyewitnesses. He wanted to see the newsreel for April the 6th. So we went through their archives, full of reels of film, until you get to April the 6th and all the film is gone. And the government saying nothing happened. So what we now have, though, is the people who were there will talk about it. Or not all of them do, but 
plenty of witnesses now will come forward and say, this is what happened. This is what we saw. This is how it affected us. This is how we were silenced because they were silenced, forbidden to talk about it. So we've got a situation where in the history books, nothing happened. In the government chronicles, nothing happened. But there's a folklore now. The people know what happened. And they have told the children. They've told the children's children. And it's a case study right in front of us of how history books and folklore separate and carry different information. And that's been the case for always, always through the age of empire. It's indigenous knowledge that carries the memory. It's folklore that has the local knowledge of who we are, where we came from, what happened in the past. And it survives and resurfaces all the while the schools are teaching this, the government is saying this, there's this other layer. And so in the scars of Eden, I go around the world listening to that other layer and realizing that the memory of our ancestral peoples and cultures all around the world is telling us the same basic story about who we are and where we came from. And it's different to what's in the textbooks. Right. And we kind of got into that when we were off air, how uh, interesting it is that, uh, in fact, you, you stated this. And, and so I want to I want to kick it back over to you because we, you asked where I am at the time right now, currently. And uh, and then you asked, you know, uh, we started talking about uh, our knowledge and the things that we know. And you had said, wow, I mean, look at that. Right. And this is perfect for you because it's a segue to your book and what you're doing there uh, that. We came from completely different backgrounds, even Stephen and Evan, right? Where, but yet we still have came to the same exact focal point. And I, I kind of used the term algorithm, and you, you smiled and said, well, in, in, a, in a sense, yeah, you're right. So I wanted to reiterate that uh, and how important that is to the people who are listening. Um, so, can you talk more about that? How all of us in the world, are starting to understand, and that's what your book is is talking about. So get into a little bit more details of that, how, where we can look for what we should be paying attention to for the real information, right? Sure. So more, more details about that, because some well, people have no idea of the concept completely. Uh, that's why you had to write a book about it to get this uh, stuff to Absolutely. Teach. Yeah. So the, the short answer, what should we pay, be paying attention to? Stories and anomalies. So I began with anomalies in the stories of Genesis, studying that, making some translation uh, choices on the basis of the root meaning of the words. And when I retold those stories, using the words in their root meanings, a totally different story of beginnings emerged. And I realized that that totally different story had been told before. It had been told by the Sumerians, the Babylonians, Arcadians, and Assyrians. And the biblical stories turn out to be a summary form of the stories of the sky people told by the Mesopotamian peoples. That then took me on a journey all around the world to listen to other ancestral narratives and realizing there are all these repeating motifs that relate to our origins as a species. And then I noticed that some of these key pieces of information related to interesting and anomalous insights from all sorts of scientific fields of study. So here are other start points, other rabbit holes that bring people onto this territory. So if you talk to people who research DNA, 
you'll find a lot of people in that field who will talk about an intervention in our design as a species. You'll find a lot of people willing to talk about the cosmos being seeded with a genetic coding for biological, intelligent, conscious life, and that it lands whenever it lands in a hospitable environment, meaning a planet with water, it will generate forms of life similar to us. The co-discoverer of the double helix of DNA believed that. Current researchers like Maxim Makukov, Vladimir Sherbach, who are DNA experts, believe that as well. And I thought, wow, there are scientists who are getting onto this territory through their very, very precise field of study. Neuroscientists who look at the brain and ask questions about all the extra capacity that the brain has, why that's there, why it's not used. Scientists who study acquired savant syndrome then ask the question of how come we've got higher cognitive abilities that can get switched on by accident. Right. Uh, and it raises the question, why are they there in the off position? So you've got that. You've got paleobiologists who look at where life has come from and who might look at the beginnings of agriculture and the mystery of how that suddenly popped into being 10,000 years ago at the top of the Fertile Crescent with a tribe or maybe even a single family, said the researcher Manfred Hoyne from the Max Planck Institute and the University of Az in Norway. One tribe, one family suddenly worked out how to do genetic modification of naturally occurring plants to turn them into cultivatable crops. How did they do that? Right. And at the same time, invent animal husbandry. And then realize, again, this relates back to ancestral narratives of visitors teaching our distant ancestors how to farm. Visitors teaching our distant ancestors how to create money, legal systems, do civil engineering, sanitation, so on and so forth. Why would our ancestors give the credit for those great leaps forward to another species, which is what they do? And so there are all these touch points in other fields of study that can get people into this territory. People who study consciousness um, quickly get themselves onto questions that take them to people like Plato, who has a different explanation as to where we all came from, people who study altered states of consciousness, the same. There are so many fields of study that get people onto this turf that is to do with our origins and our potential. And what I found after I made that extraordinary odyssey of a tour and it produced the book Escaping from Eden is that it led me to a place where I realized we are all capable of much more that our brains are capable of more, that we can have a better human experience. And just to begin a new and fresh journey, studying our own potential and how we live. And that's where the Scars of Eden takes us at a, at a sort of geopolitical level as well. Well, you know, and, and I like that, that whole concept because one of the people in the crowd, let me, let me pull it up. Oh, hold on, I'm on the wrong page over here. Um, Melissa pulled up. I want to say hi to all you guys out there that I haven't said hi to, right? Everybody keeps saying hi and how are you? And I haven't brought any of that up on the screen, right? But Melissa said uh, when you were talking about how we were uh, uh, set up with the, you know, in the off position, why would that be there? 
you were asking that question and she said, you know, sounds like, I'm put it up on the screen, it sounds like a trigger of some kind, but the question is posed, like you said, why would we have that in ourselves? Why would it already be there and yet be turned off so we wouldn't, so we wouldn't know that? And then by accident or by design, it gets turned on. What do you think the origin of that is? Do you think that that is something that's inherent in the universe itself to wake us up to who we are as a species to, to move forward? Or do you think that that had something to do with a programming that happened after we were created? What's your opinion on that? Well, I lean to the answer that our Mayan ancestors offered and that our Nigerian ancestors offered. And it's there also in the biblical story and the Greek story as well. Let me go to the Popol Vuh first of all. Now, the Popol Vuh carries an expression of the Mayan story of beginnings. And it, like many of our so-called creation stories, seems to go back to a time when our planet had been devastated by a catastrophe and then some other beings turn up to help re-nurture the planet and re-nurture life on Earth. And the Popol Vuh describes these ET visitors as those who engineer. And they arrive and they start to work on the planet and then they're considering what kind of life to nurture. At some point they have a conversation where the question is raised, can we produce avatars for ourselves to do the work and bring us our food? They want a workforce. And so they ask the chief genetic engineer, Quetzalcoatl, a.k.a. Kukumats, mm -hmm. a.k.a. Kukulkan, if he can do that. So he works with what's here, some kind of a primate, it would seem. And there's a long sequence of experiments. Starts off producing something that's just not clever enough to serve them then produces something that's very strong, very capable, but has no interest in serving superiors. I mean, if you can imagine engineering something like a gorilla and then finding it doesn't want to work for you, it was that level of uh, accident right. and mistake right. that was happening. And then they developed something that was us plus. Us plus um, better precognition, better ability to anticipate things that would happen or could happen, better remote viewing, better telepathic connection, better self-healing capacities. So really us as we'd really like to be. Uh, only now they found they couldn't manage that population. We were too smart to work for them. And so an emergency meeting is held that says, can we dumb them down so they're just smart enough to work for us? So Quetzalcoatl goes back in the lab and he produces a vapor that when sprayed over human populations, damages our neural connections, lowers our cognitive abilities to where we're limited to our five senses or what's told to us by an authority. And they found that was helpful to them in managing us. Now, what's curious about that story, as I said just now, is it echoes elsewhere. So you go to Nigeria, find the ethic people, listen to their elders, and they'll tell you the story of Abasi and Atai, who came here planet Earth in the deep past, engineered Homo sapiens, uh, went away after we had become a fertile species, able to replicate and build a culture. And when they came back, that's exactly what we'd done. We'd multiplied, multiplied, built a culture. And they said, how on earth are we going to be able to manage this population? We, how do we govern over this? 
they're too much. And so they have an emergency meeting and they release devices into the environment that will damage our health and our mental health and our mental acuity. Because if we're slightly ill and slightly worried or fearful, then we can be managed. Well, that's a disturbingly similar story. And of course, you hear those stories, devices in the environment, vapors sprayed over populations, and it makes you alert to how are we being managed today. You go to the Greek story, and you've got Prometheus who gets into trouble because he's given Homo sapiens too much technology, and that creates a great stink. You've got the story in Genesis 3. Well, the way it's translated at the moment, it's the story of the fall. But you know there's something wrong with that story because the way it's translated right now, God is the one against human progress. God wants human beings so stupid, unintelligent, they don't even know they're naked. And it's the serpent who wants to give them a better human experience and make them fertile. Right. Well, it, all that garbling is there because it's really the retelling of the story of Enlil and Enki, not God and the serpent, not God and the devil. It's a conflict among our ET colonizers over how intelligent we should be. And so Enki breaks ranks. He upgrades us to make us more intelligent, more conscious, able to make our own decisions, and that creates a conflict among them. So there are versions of this story all around the planet, but the pattern is the same because when you get to Genesis 11, we're too smart, we're technological, and so we're bombed into a pre-Stone Age place. So the pattern is the same of upgrade, 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 and then a downgrade so we can be managed. Now, it's a dark story. It's a story that glorifies absolutely nobody, and the correlations are so great around the world, I've come to believe that is a memory that our ancestors have curated. But there's actually an encouragement buried in that rather dark story, because when you get to the downgrade, it's always something external that's done to us. Intrinsically, look at our brains, look at who we are. We are an incredibly capable species. We are conscious. We are intelligent. We are curious. We are exploratory. We are capable of far more than we generally believe. And it's things done to us that keep us down. And so there's a little bit of a message in that pattern to say, let's switch these other bits of the brain back on. And the shamanic and mystical traditions of the world, that's what they're all about, waking us up, learning to make us more conscious. Now, I mentioned story earlier because that is part of the role of story as well, that our ancestors curated stories that are designed to clue us that the world is different to what we think it is. And so all the stories I've mentioned are part of that great array of story around the world that is waking us up to a different way of being human. Right, I agree. And some of the comments in the in the crowd, um, I like what Melissa said. She said, it sounds like the, that some of them disapproved of this. So do you think on a, on a larger level, they were more like us than we think that they're not because there was there seems to be a couple of different factions here at, in at play where some didn't approve uh, and some did and uh, what to have on and what to have off or, or whatever seems to be kind of in play at one point am i wrong in that well definitely that that's all absolutely right we are very much like those who engineered us and that's 
that it says that right there in the Bible, let us make them to be like us. And in the debate in Genesis 3, it's no, if they get this upgrade, they will be like us. And the serpent says to the woman or to the living to translate that name, no, if you get the upgrade, you will be like the powerful ones. You'll be like one of us. And that's what our captain Enlil doesn't want. It's the same in the Abbasi and Atai. They will rival us. It's the same in the Popol Vuh. If we leave them this smart, they will rival us. So clearly those who engineered us were more advanced. They knew how to do genetic modification. They knew how to do experiments in utero. They had interstellar travel. They had all that. But I think sometimes we assume that they must have been advanced in every possible way. Right. Whereas, in fact, you look at their behavior and their behavior is very much like ours. The way they colonized Earth, very similar to how we colonize each other's countries. And then the conflicts they have and the way they manage them, very similar to the way we behave. And so I think you're right, Leo, that uh, in, in the comment you just relayed from Melissa, mm -hmm. we are very much like those who engineered us. And yet... You go back to that picture of panspermia with the genetic coding arriving on different planets. There will always be a variation. Those who arrive to tweak our evolution may be very similar to us, but they're not exactly the same. And our cultures all around the world all curate stories of ancient hybridization, which is ET demographics turning up and saying, wow, these human beings are awesome. We need some of what they have in our gene pool. And that story is there in the Greek legends, the Norse, in the Bible, in African legends, all around the world. Celtic story carries the same story, that there are others very similar to us who actually want some of what we have. And I think it's important to understand there's something unique and wonderful about us that attracts a lot of attention. And that's why there may be what Hayim Ashed calls an intergalactic council who feel they want a stakeholding in Project Earth. Hayim Ashed is the Brigadier General who was the Chief of Space Security for Israel for 27 years. And when he says there's an intergalactic federation in contact at a covert government level, chosen not to self-disclose, he is repeating, he says that's on the basis of his experience in that position. But what he's saying is repeated by our ancestors through thousands and thousands of years of ancestral narrative. Right. So I want to put up really quickly. Julie, Julie said, I just have a second, but I wanted to say hi. Hello and good evening. <laughs> I don't have the time to watch, but I'll go back and watch it tomorrow. So I just right. want to put that up. Now, you answered a question for uh, one of the girls that I was going to put up uh, talking about our brains. So I'll put her question up, but you've already answered it. But I just wanted to show that in case she missed that, 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 that you know, she was talking about our brains. Uh, why is it that we don't use hardly any of it? Was it in use before? Uh, you know, and why did they turn it? And you yeah. answered that because we were turned off and they dumbed us down and said, wait a minute, they're going to be just like us if we let them have that. <laughs> right. Yeah, but that's that's what our ancestors said. That's right. And right? yet it's still there. And the neuroscientists who study acquired savant syndrome are studying cases where it gets switched on by accident. So someone will have a head injury, for instance, and all of a sudden they can speak a language they couldn't speak before, or they have phenomenal 
calendar mathematical skills or incredible skills in physics, uh, higher cognitive abilities switched on like that is something they can't explain. And they're very open about that. And they ask the question, is there a way of switching these on without a head injury? And that's right. really what our shaman and mystics have been answering for hundreds and thousands of years. Well, and then, and uh, there to is. that point, Melissa says, and I'll put that up on the screen, uh, meaning they're evolving us slowly to avoid notice and they and that they uh, de-evolution so they wouldn't have to do that. Do you think that, uh, and I want to further her question, do you think that we now, and like you were saying, scholars and, and people as a species, we understand that. So do you, do you think that it is kind of a plan that we're trying to open up and expand our minds, but not do it too quickly? Because if we do, maybe the overlords will say, oops, we got to dumb them down again. Or do you think any of that matters? Well, there again, you see, you say the overlords, um, but of course, there's not a single agenda shared by the overlords. So if there is an intergalactic federation, which I believe there is, it's the same as what the Sumerians called the Sky Council. It's there in the Bible. What it says is you've got a range of ET demographics who have a stakeholding in Project Humanity. So that's a range of agendas. Native American story, original Australian story have references to visitors from the stars who have nurtured humanity. And Plato talks about that as well. So that suggests we've got some on that council who love human beings, are nurturing us, and would love to help us use more of our brains. And then you've got others saying, look, we're just here for the minerals and the human beings are getting in our way, who would rather us remain like this. Let's just give them more TV channels. You know, you've got that whole spectrum of agendas. So what is interesting is that there are people who um, have communication with guides. Now, this is something Plato talked about. It's something that's in the New Testament as well, though it's often forgotten, that people will get communication from other entities, from other dimensions. So that bit of their brain is switched on. And that means that there are beings nurturing us who are willing to engage with that bit of our brains and that bit of our intelligence. And we were talking before we came on earlier about how the human body is uh, an antenna and how we are processes for consciousness. And when I was young, if I can give this analogy, my gran had an analog TV with very poor reception. She lived in a valley. So she had her TV aerial on the roof, but it was always a fuzzy picture until a human being came and stood by the TV and then the picture would go clear because our bodies are better receptors than the aerials we put on our roofs. And learning to engage that well, there are indigenous peoples who know how to do that, who know how to receive information through their field, their electromagnetic field. And that's certainly part of original Australian skill. And it's certainly part of Native American skill. And I think we have some in that galactic council willing to engage with us at that level, who therefore would love to see us evolve, right. to use that language. And there are others who are saying, uh, no, our cousins switched that off thousands of years ago with good reason. We'll keep it in the off position. So I think there's a bit of a tussle. 
a right. bit of a to and fro, and it reflects on what you can see happening right now in terms of what disclosure is happening, what's out there in the popular media, and then what distractions and deflections are out there. There's a whole soup of stuff that's either going to help us wake up or stay asleep. Well, and you know what I've noticed, and uh, to, to your point about all of this, it, is that we here on the planet are a microcosm of the macrocosm. Because if you look at everything that we've done to ourselves in the time that we've been here, it's the exact same thing that has been done to us collectively from, uh, from out there, I including, including creating a penal colony. And then what did, what did the English do? They created Australia as a penal colony, put everybody over there way down under, way out in the middle of nowhere where no one is. Here we are on planet Earth, way out in the middle of the galaxy where no one is. It's like we're, this planet is the Australia or Australia is to this world what this world is to the universe and all of our consciousness here are playing out that same thing. Am I wrong in making that parody? That's, that's a really interesting comparison. And of course, when the English got here, not only did they have their agenda for what they wanted to use the land for, but from that day to this, there's been a very deliberate shutting down of the culture that was already here. Right. Uh, as a demographic tried to shut it down, as a culture tried to shut it down with the, the, uh, the stolen generation policy, and then trying to shut down its memory, we are still in a place where hard copy of original human knowledge. I mean, the culture in Australia has been here for more than 60,000 years. So when Rio Tinto goes in and blows up the Duke and Gorge, it's blowing up hard copy information that's been curated by that culture. In right. the Australian Capital Territory, a really vital site is threatened to be turned into townhouses because nothing, no knowledge curated by the original Australians counts as history or science or knowledge. It's, it's just the fairy tales of the previous owners of the land. That's how it's treated from the moment that the British got here right to the present day. And it's all of a piece with how empire always shuts down these other stories. And it's just not just a matter of extinguishing culture, it's getting rid of information that is profound and empowering about who we are and about our cosmos. So all that is still very, very current. So Australia is kind of a case study in what's happened here where there's been not an accidental forgetting of human potential, but a forgetting that has been entrained and put upon us. In the Sumerian stories, it's clear we were being programmed to serve superiors, and that was all that was wanted. In the Popol Vuh, dumbed down to serve superiors, and that was all that was wanted. And unfortunately, you can see that in the history of conquests, such as the invasion of Australia in our own history. Well, and if you look at America, the United States government has done the same thing with all native life here on this continent. And then if you look at the Roman uh, Empire, they did the same thing everywhere they went. They, they would eradicate, all, knock down their buildings, put their own buildings on top of them. And the same thing, get rid of that culture the same way. And, and so we're repeating that because that's what 
our creators did to us. So we are more like them than yeah. we realize. Oh, right? exactly. Yeah, Leo, that's absolutely right. We're doing what we saw done. That's exactly right. And the Roman Empire, classic example, as soon as they sort of hijacked Christianity and militarized the faith, so there's now this narrow orthodoxy, and it's really just a religious version of the feudalism of the empire, it meant all other truths had to be buried to stop them being destroyed altogether. This is really where Stephen and Evan Strong come in because mm -hmm. they are scholars of the, the Gnostic Gospels, the Gnostic materials, which were buried in the Nag Hammadi Desert to preserve that information for future generations because it was inconvenient information to an empire that just simply wanted a population of drones. And once you've read the history of the Roman Empire and the history of Christianity, it ought to give you a lens for understanding the world around you. And the reason I mentioned story earlier is that's what it does. The stories of history and the stories that our ancestors curated give us a lens to look out at the world and say, oh, I didn't see that before. I think I have an idea what's going on now. Right. And Melissa saw it the same way. I looked up right after I said that to you uh, in the comment and she said, so we're repeating what was done to us. And then she followed up with a with a good question. I'll put that on the screen. Let me read it for the MP3 file uh, group because everyone else can see it. Uh, is is the I'm not sure she is the uh, co-fiction. Ah, that's is the co-fiction with Galactic Federation happening with the 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 conflicting in our programming right now. Did I read that wrong? Yes, I think. I think what that's hinting at is that there, there's a conflict uh, in the Galactic Federation, to use that phrase, or the Sky Council, as it would be called in the Bible, and it reflects in the conflicts we're experiencing in uh, at lots of levels. So right. first of all, it reflects in the culture wars we're experiencing right now. So we've got culture wars around access to water, for instance, right. access to food, the conflict between traditional organic rotational farming and privately owned industrial scale genetic modification petrochemical farming they are absolutely clashing we've got conflicts over education how educated should people be should should we have universities that teach people to think and explore or that produce industry ready human beings which is what the australian government last year said it, it would prefer Right. Uh, all these culture wars, actual international wars, or what we think are international wars, often reflect these age-old conflicts in the Galactic Federation. But then also the conflicts we're experiencing right now as to what do I believe? Who do I trust? What's the truth of what's happening right now? Who's working in our interests? Who's working against them? All that toing and froing. Is this disclosure? Is this cover-up? It all reflects the fact there is not unanimity in the Intergalactic Federation and there's not unanimity at a government level right. or, even, or even at a covert government level. And this is why I think there is a role through history for the esoteric traditions that curate knowledge and that will leak it when it's needed and when it's a receptive time and that will protect it in other times for its preservation. And I think we're in a really interesting moment. There's a big shift going on where there's more appetite for some of the ancient knowledge 
that has been preserved that can help us shape a different future. And that's really the insight behind the, the conference we've got coming up in our alien ancestry, Old Ways for New Days, is saying exactly that. Our ancestors uh, have preserved knowledge that will help us shape a better human experience. There's a huge shift going on at the moment. What do we do to shift it in a good direction? And that's really the question that's on all of us. That's why we're looking at it in the next conference. Right, and then uh, Melissa followed up with this. She says, uh, meaning our brains are trying to break free, causing a conflict. So do you think that we, as, as a race, are, are kind of the catalyst to this? Or do you think that it's coming directly from their conflict or, and or, and slash or, what Melissa said to her point, uh, are we causing a conflict by us waking ourselves up? That's a great question. And it really could be both. I think we're getting a lot of nurturing from our helpers at the moment. So when our ancestors talk about helpers from the Pleiades, uh, helpers from Sirius, that kind of input, I think there's a lot of that happening. I think far more people are beginning to listen to, and some might say they're just listening to the universe some might say they're learning to meditate, and some might say I've got guides who speak to me, which mm -hmm. has been a human experience from the get-go. I think there's a lot of that happening to try and help us in this moment. But I think, yes, it may be that it's just a matter of our human story that bits of our brains are reactivating. And I've certainly had that experience in the last few years where things have happened where I've realized I'm getting a bit more remote viewing than I used to get. I'm getting more precognition than I used to get. And these are things I started noticing before the run into escaping from Eden and the scars of Eden. And I don't know if that's because I was getting help or because I'd improved my diet and I'd learned to look after myself a bit better or my lifestyle had improved or I was doing more earthing or more sunning. Uh, but I think the two could be happening, that we are finding, oh, my goodness, there's a bit of my brain operating better than it used to. And now I am open to recognizing input and encouragement from the outside, from my guides, human and otherwise. Well, and then we have, and then Melissa brings up another good point. Uh, let, me, let me put this on there. Younger people are waking up faster uh, than I've noticed. And I've noticed that over the years as well. Do you think it's because we have gone through the hardship and the people before us, the people before them have gone through the hardships of learning things that, when this new generation is coming through, um, we kind of uh, uh, already have unlocked that. And so they're able to further things faster. Or do you just think that's just normal evolution? What's your take on that? Well, I think there are layers to it. I think uh, kids being parented by postmodern parents ought to have more freedom. And I think they do to hold on to some of their latent ability to think laterally and to get information from the universe. And I certainly see that in my six-year-old who can just speak other people's thoughts like that, or my 12-year-old who can see uh, things happening around that we would dismiss in my generation as imagination. And she's noticing it and thinking, I wonder if that's true. So there's that human layer to it. But I think something is happening at another dimensional level as well. And many of our ancestral narratives talk about paying attention to things that happen in this visible realm because it will reflect something happening in another dimension. 
And so I think there's, there's something to do with where our solar system is right now, where we are in the rotation of our galaxy right now. There's something at another level that is putting us in a place that the Celts used to call a thin place. Yes. They had this notion that you could go to certain places on the land and it probably had to do with energy lines in the land, ley lines, where the connection between this dimension and another dimension is closer, where the veil between them is thinner. So other traditions said, well, if you eat this plant or drink this tea, you'll be able to perceive things in another dimension and get information from it. The Celts had these places they went to. I happen to think the planet is in one of those places right now. And that's why there's this great acceleration in our ability to get fresh thought, fresh insight, think differently. And that's why I think there's this amazing potential for us to step in to a different way of behaving and being human together. Right. Agreed. Because it seems like, you know, if you even if you just if you listen to everything from, you know, the Mayans and the in the Hopis and uh, the Aborigines everywhere, uh, they talk about that this is a time where we're going from one conceptual ideology of what's happening in the universe into another. Like they say, we're going into the age of Aquarius. So I think that as you hit that point, we're in that transitional phase. You, and that's just like, you know, All Hallows Eve, the, the veil has to be thin there because we're literally ending one version of what was reality and beginning another reality. So we're in that transitional phase where um, for some it could be weird, but for most of us, uh, you know, it's either just nothing or some of us are really just aware of that. Uh, is that what you're kind of speaking to? Yeah, absolutely. I love how you put it, Leo. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And uh, the person who asked the question talked about young people, which is very true. But I have been amazed as people have contacted me in response to the Scars of Eden in particular and Escaping from Eden too. I'm hearing from people who are mature in their 60s and 70s who are saying, I don't see things the way I used to. I am experiencing things I haven't before. I'm thinking things I've not thought before and I need to process because I'm living in a different world than I was before. So it's not just the young who are experiencing and thinking differently right across the age spectrum. And that's one of the things I've seen that have made me think, something is happening at a bigger level. And that's why I think in terms of the planet is now in a thin place. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many of us are waking up in this fresh way. Agreed. And, uh, you know, my mother, even though she has Alzheimer's and now she doesn't remember, but a few years ago, uh, you know, she's a devout Catholic, right? So you know what that's that's like. We talked about that off air with, you know, the and but she would have never thought of any of this. But since I've been here more with her, taking care of her, she's exposed to this kind of thinking. She hears this stuff, you know, you know, I talk to her about it or she watches the show, right? And she did the same thing. She said, I don't think the way I did when I was 20, 30 years ago. And I said, I don't think the way I did 20, 30 years ago. So you're absolutely right. There's this, I think there's this evolution that's happening um, and we have uh, Stephen and at least Evans there standing by. I thought we'd bring them on, um, bring them in. So why don't you talk about, while I'm pulling them in 
Well, I don't, I'm gonna put you back up on the screen. Why don't you tell everybody? Um, first of all, we're, we're what we're doing, right? And we, I have that on the screen. The name of this is our, our alien ancestry, the old ways for for new days. So, so I have that up so people understand that. Explain that so we can segue, and then, but then first, tell them where they can find buy your books. And I'll put your website again. I'll link it in the in the chat for them to see. Uh, and by you speaking and telling them that, the MP3 broadcast people will get where they can find your stuff. So go ahead and do that, and I'll bring in uh, Stephen Evan. I'll put you back up on the screen, full screen, so that you can uh, finish and plug yourself. Plug your books. Plug All your right. Stuff. Let me do that then. Well, for The Scars of Eden, you can go to Amazon, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, Hive, Book Depository, wherever books are sold. You can find The Scars of Eden and Escaping from Eden, get hold of those. And if you want to get into conversation with me about those, I love dialoguing with my readers. Go to the Paul Wallace channel on YouTube. I'm always in the comments there having conversations. Go to the Fifth Kind TV on YouTube. You can find me there. I have various longer format documentaries there. Go to my website, paulantonywallace.com, Anthony with an H. Wallace, W-A-L-L-I-S, PaulAnthonyWallace.com. And you can keep up with the research that I'm doing and where I'm going next after the Scars of Eden. Um, to Stephen Evanstrong, who are wonderful Australian researchers with phenomenal information and expertise. They talk about human origins. Uh, they have made deep studies in Gnosticism and other esotericism, and they've been hosting the most wonderful summits and conferences uh, called Our Alien Ancestry. And this, um, this tagline, Old Ways for New Days, is really what it's all about. We were just talking about the shift. Yep. The, um, that there's a big change and that there is an opportunity to shape a different future. And that's what we've been talking about, tapping the old ways that inform us for the future, for how to live now. And Stephen asked me, we're doing chapter 11 coming up on the 26th. And for my contribution to that, Stephen said, in a new world, what's the syllabus? What do we need to know to navigate a new world and avoid repeating all the same mistakes we've made in the previous age? And so we're plumbing ancestral wisdom and channeled wisdom and uh, different study in different academic fields to answer that question. What is it we need to know? And what I'll be bringing to that conversation is what stories would I tell my young people in a post-apocalyptic world, if I can describe it that way, to ensure that they can shape a better human experience? Right. And that's that's good knowledge. So to that, we'll bring in Stephen and Evan. There's Evan right there on the screen, right? How you doing? You got your uh, microphone muted. Unmute your mic. Yep, I'm muted. There he is. And there's Stephen. I see Stephen over there. So hi, guys. There he is. <laughs> welcome, welcome. I, I saw you guys. We had them in the green room for for those of you who were who were uh, uh, not not aware of that. We could see them while we're talking. We could see them milling about and listening to us and. Doing, doing deeds in the background and checking and listening. <laughs> coming, coming back over and, and with an ear when, when uh, uh, Paul was talking, uh, you know. So uh, welcome, guys. Uh, let me put the banner up so people know what we're talking about here. I have some of your guys' stuff 
uh, like this. I put it over all of our faces here, right? Here's chapter 11. That's what's coming up, guys. For those of you who are on the MP3 broadcast, you can't see this. I'll quickly run that down for you. It's called Our Alien Ancestry, Old Ways for New Days. Right. And that uh, Paul Wallace, you were just listening to Stephen and Evan, who are now arriving. Leah will be here later. Right. And you can see on the screen, there's other other speakers that are going to be there. Leah's going to be the, the speaking host. Uh, and then we have uh, that's going to be June 26th, 4 p.m. Los Angeles time, 7 p.m. New York time. That's the 27th of June, 7 a.m. Perth time, 9 a.m. Melbourne time. And I'll be putting links up uh, uh, on the screen in a little while for you guys to be able to go and buy those tickets to take a look at that. And they're already, we also have uh, uh, number 12 that you guys are getting ready for as well, right? So we'll put those up on the screen as we're going in different uh, places here, right? So you guys can see those and I'll put the links to their uh, um, website where you can get the tickets up in the chat for you guys to be able to see. So let's go back over here and we will... Um, and you guys come on in here and um, let's start talking. I'll put you guys on full screen, right? So we're not looking at my face because no one wants to see my face. People are here to see you guys. <laughs> there you go. So <clears throat> so welcome, guys. I haven't haven't spoken to you guys for a minute, right? It's been a, um, I kept, you know, a few months, I think, uh, almost uh, six months or so since I've had you on. Uh, although uh, every night we still communicate every now and then, uh, you know, messaging each other. Uh, so uh, welcome, you guys. This is exciting. Uh, I don't know if you're listening to all of what uh, uh, Paul and I talked about. That was some really good stuff that he was bringing to the table. Yeah, right. And yeah, of course, he's going to be, you know, bringing that to. And he just said that there at the end. Uh, so, guys, I would go and uh, buy his books. Take a look at that. The knowledge that that man has is insane. And now. Yeah. Let, let's your guys right. say knowledge. Yeah, there you go. Hold that up again, really quickly. Hold that up. There it is, right? <laughs> so, so he's well, got the right there, guys. Uh, so, let's right. let's right. talk. Stephen, welcome. Uh, Evan, welcome. How are you guys this morning? Uh, very good, thank you. Good. Um, happy to be happy here. To thank be you. Again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here. Uh, for those of you, oops, I put that back on the screen. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I hit the I hit the, I hit the button, the enter button, and it popped that back up on the screen. But that's a good segue. Okay, so guys, for those of you who are listening in, uh, we're doing a longer show than normally. Normally, I do an hour show. This is going to be probably close to three hours, right? So share this out, share this out, share this out, right? Because we, you know, we just said ended one segment here. We got the next one going on. But this is all about our alien ancestry, old ways for new days. So let's segue into that, and you guys go ahead and take it up from there. Yeah. Well, yeah, um, it's sort of funny because I was thinking when I was listening to Paul, whose um, scope of knowledge is quite daunting. It's frightening, actually. Right. Um, <laughs> I've got a retention rate. There's about 1% stuck in there, and the rest just wafts around. I find mm -hmm. it occasionally. He can find it on call. Um, but apart from the, the frightening um, recall that Paul has, it was sort of struck me about something, about the fact that we're primarily talking about the alien ancestry part of this. And I remember thinking when I was first given ceremony over 10 years ago, I remember one of the elders told me then that I'd be speaking about UFOs and aliens, and I said under no conditions would I ever be doing this. <laughs> it's sort of funny because that was seriously, we never in our first three books we never mentioned UFOs. Yeah, we were... never walked into this story. They were printed by University Press. Right. And by the way, they wouldn't let us put it in. We had an argument about that's why we left them. But the point I'm getting at is that we came at this from a different point of view than most other people. 
In fact, we had no interest in alien spaceships until quite recently. It was of none, no concern to us. We came into this because the original people we were writing their stories on behalf of and their history and their dreaming forced us to do it. It was that simple. So it's sort of strange how five years back this would have never happened. And now we're in a situation where primarily what our job is to prove it to people that that ceremony on the 21st of December actually happened. And what's happened since then was quite weird, mate, because when we did that ceremony, I think you're probably aware of the fact that everywhere we spoke, we said the same thing every time. We had no idea if it was going to happen. That was the only consistency we gave to every every mention of it anywhere in the, around the world is that we don't think or we think it might happen, it may not happen. There were so many reasons why we were concerned about it actually happening, down to the fact we weren't even sure that the elders there were doing it until they turned the rock off and closed it and kicked out the public on the 21st and 22nd of December. We still weren't sure. And when everyone was thrown out for the first time ever, I thought, ah, now we know what's going on. But the weird part of this was that even when we did the ceremony there and it did happen, I walked away from there thinking we'll never have proof. And it's strange because um, the proof we have now that, A, that the rock was turned on and that, B, it was through the direct and indirect involvement of alien input, ancestry, genetics, technology, and crystals. They were all part of this, and it was a united event. And I love the way Paul said both earlier on, because that's exactly what it is here. And now what we seem to have, and what we'll be putting up on our presentation, is sort of empirical evidence that assuages the rational mind and the doubting mind that everyone has because we all went to school. And I've been to school too because I've been a principal and a teacher there. And I can tell you, schooling now is all about making people not ask questions and recite answers. So therefore, basically, what we've ended up doing now is we've found so much information of events that took place before and after to make people believe that it is possible that in a couple of years from now the whole world changes so yeah that's that's what we've been trying to do with all these presentations the ones before we tried to convince people that maybe something might happen and now we're trying to convince people that it did happen so that's primarily what all of the conferences have been about and so now we're in a situation now that primarily our main job is we have to convince people that there was an alien involvement. And one of the things I want to point out, Leonard, and I want to go into this in some detail, we've got a lot of proof about this. I want people to think about something. I'm sure everyone's aware of the fact the Pentagon has made this landmark investigation with three possible answers at the end of it all. But what you may not be aware of is, mate, that 12, within 12 hours of that ceremony at Uluru succeeding, the announcement was made by the Pentagon. Now, I'm going to say to you, if that had not succeeded on that day, that announcement never would have been made and they would have kept things had they had for 50 years because the biggest question has been 
why is it the wolf in sheep's clothing has finally told the truth once? And most people have been grappling with that and trying to work out what was the underlying motive. Well, we believe we know what it was. And we, we sort of, I want, I mean, I'm going to start by saying within 12 hours, there was a spokesman from the Pentagon saying, we are now going to make an investigation to all the alien phenomena. Now, if you knew what was happening at the day before at Uluru 11, yeah. leading up there, oh my God. both you'll find that a multi-international company called Qantas and a territorial government, which serves the federal government because it's not a state government, they don't run themselves, they run themselves on behalf of the federal government, had both interfered to try and stop that ceremony taking place on the 21st. When you factor all those things in there and you factor in what happens after the event, there starts to become a narrative that I think answers the most important question about the alien phenomenon. And it's not if they're there, that's not important. That's done and dusted. If you don't believe it now, you never will. Outside them landing basically on top of Washington, and the, the White House, and then crushing it as the mothership sits there, people will stay steadfast with what they've got now. The real question is why? And I reckon that, is what we've discovered, and I think in our next presentation, we intend to address that question about why they came and what the purpose of them being involved. And I think that's really what this should all be about. If the Pentagon were fair income about this, not only would they give up the fact they know it's alien instead of hint at it, they'd also give up why it was that the day after Uluru they decided to make a formal statement. And I think the two to go together. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. There has to be a correlation. Things just aren't, aren't random like that. So, yeah. so I think a lot of it is that, I, you know, at this point we're talking about that with Paul. I, I think they're not going to be able to stop us or they're not able to stop us. And they're realizing that. So now they're going, all right, what do we do, first of all, to slow things down? Just like Paul said. What do we do to slow things down and keep them from finding out what they're going to find out anyways? And to, and you know, to what end is what we need to ask. Why are they trying to keep us? You know, what is it that we're going to gain the knowledge, right? That they don't want us to gain. Well, that's actually a really important question, mate, because that's actually the, the, the crux of this. <clears throat> and if I can, can I explain what happened? As you know, Leonard, around 15 million people, did get involved in meditation on that day, despite the fact we told all of them we never thought for sure it was going to happen. And that, to me, is really important because that doesn't become a mindless leap of following someone. It becomes a leap of faith. Do you know what I mean? There's a difference yeah. if someone announced, oh, something's definitely going to happen, come and do it. All we were saying is something might happen. We're not even sure if it will. Well, why don't you join in and see what happens? So it was different in that respect. Because the number we were told we needed to get, we exceeded tenfold. Yeah, easily, right? Yeah, oh, definitely, at least, because that's a conservative number. So for all those people, we thank them because they were there. Um, and at, some of them were in the snow. Uh, some were in Iceland. Some were in, in, right? in, in the bare feet in ground that was actually ice. And they were doing this because they wanted something to happen. But what I even when that happened, before that happened, the reason why I knew this was going to become legitimate is what happened the day before when both a multinational company 
and a, a federal government became involved in the ceremony. And the, the beauty of this is we have over 350 people that will sign stat decks and validate everything we're going to say. And this showed me that what was happening down to the last minute, mate, they were trying everything they could to stop it happening, which gives people more faith if they believe in it. And it started like this. We were at a conference that was held at Uluru coincidentally to the ceremony there. Neither knew of the other, and these people booked this 18 months before, didn't they? So they were holding it there, and through a, vera, a series of events and, and things trying to block this, it was decided that all of the people there would do a ceremony within the grounds of the resort and 20 k's away from the rock, but it would be the closest ceremony outside what the elders were doing there. So they knew that. So what happened was on the um, the day before, was it on the 20th, Evan? Yeah. At about 3.30, there were 350 people inside this hall and the manager of the resort came in and interrupted the whole thing and said, I have to read this out to everyone here. And it was a letter signed by the Northern Territory Government and Qantas, okay, a multinational airline group and also the uh, – Northern Territory Government, which is subservient to the federal government. Now, what had happened was this. They said that anyone from Sydney was COVID suspect and will be kept away and locked away. Now, the weird part about that is the state government and the federal government had made it clear that only the northern beaches of Sydney, what that even, were locked around and anyone else was allowed to go where they were. And they could anywhere else in the country and still could, but apparently at that resort, all of Sydney was banned. Now, that's not the case. This only happened there. And he read this out, and everyone's thinking, what's going on? Because there were people who were from the northern beaches and a speaker, Barry Eaton, who didn't come because they knew they couldn't. Yeah, but all the rest of the yeah. people got on the plane going there knowing they got there. And when they got there, they were welcome. No one even checked us for anything, did they? We were just booked in, no one checked our temperature, nothing. All walked in, went there. So out of nowhere, it was decided by the Northern Territory Government that that wasn't going to happen anymore. And it was told to these people, around 40 police would be coming around tomorrow with a big van, they'd all be tested, they'd be locked inside, they weren't allowed to go outside, end of story. All right? And then that night, people, I know people, because about... Oh, probably 100 people were from Sydney, maybe 130, and everyone was upset, upset in their head. They're fighting the government. They're fearful. This is working perfectly, isn't it? This is what they want. And yep. everyone's saying, we're going to ring up solicitors, and these guys went out the front and said, we know this is against the law. We're going to fight the government. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. Every time individuals fight the government, I've seen the result there, and it's 99.99% for the government. I'm thinking, yep. you've got no yep. chance, man. So it gets worse. These people in Sydney could not even go to the takeaway food spot because there was a sign saying, if you're from Sydney, go away, go back to your unit, ring, and we'll deliver to you, and we'll leave it outside the door. Don't open it. These guys are now officially COVID lepers, and the police are coming in the morning, aren't they? They are, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was rumours maybe the army as well. The army was coming too, and then, lo and behold, Jetstar, which is the domestic arm of Qantas, gets involved and threatens everyone from Sydney by saying this, we've cancelled all flights from Sydney to Sydney, but we're sending up one jet, aren't we? Mm, Empty. Yep. 
so there's no one can catch the COVID they might have. But remember, all these people, when they go back to Sydney, won't be tested because they're fine. They're not locked down. And it was said that there'll be no more coming up. So if you don't go then, you will have to spend two weeks at Yulara, which is $800 a night, paying for it yourself to self-isolate before you can come back because they won't fly them back. Well, we had people coming up to me in tears. One lady told me, I've got two children are being minded. I won't see them for Christmas. What should I do? I said, go on, get on the plane, mate. You don't want to miss Christmas with your kids because they grow up because they're young. I said, get on the plane. So about 50 people did. Comes the morning. Lo and behold, this is the truth. This is what happened. All the people from Sydney got up in the morning. They went and had breakfast, didn't they, Evan? Yep. Their doors were open. The, then we got a phone call, and the phone call rang every unit and said, did you come from the northern beaches of Sydney? No, thank you, hung up. The people in Sydney that didn't come from the northern beaches, the one that stayed, they were asked the same question. No, they hung up, and they let them go. They went and have, they ate whenever they wanted. And then, lo and behold, Jetstar make a formal announcement in the morning, didn't they, Evan? Mm -hmm. Flights to Uluru will be resumed as usual because they'd done their job. They put the fear in there, and they lied. Both the government and a company lied together to conspire to create fear within the ceremony, which, by the way, there were still 300 people left. 50 did get on that plane, and I don't blame any of them. I told that woman to get on the plane, and others had just as good reasons to do so because they were sure the police were coming around. Now, there was a unit there, to be fair, wasn't there, Evan? You heard what happened. Didn't someone actually go to it? Oh, yeah, someone was feeling a bit off. Yeah. They went there. Yeah. They said there was no lion. No. There were, like, two people leaning against a tree. The two police, yeah, because yeah. the two came, yeah, not 40, yeah. There was a medical team next to them. They were leaning against um, a tree in the shade. Yeah. They got tested. They, of course, were fine. Oh, they were fine. Mm. That was it. That was it. That was it. There was that no was the whole here. day. There was about four, two police officers, two, like, paramedic type people that's it just in case there was someone there that was sick but there wasn't but the point i'm getting at ladies and gentlemen if this is leading up to an event if it was just some crazy hippies or some silly blackfellas making up this story they are and by the way all of us got the letter it was put underneath everyone's door so if you want to see the letter he read it out he read out he didn't want to do it he read this out as it was told to us, and everyone got in it. So this is not a debatable point. It's not us making it up. It's exactly what happened. So what that tells us, Leonard, is that this ceremony, why would they have gone to so much trouble to create fear and to create angst and concern about what to do? And, of course, there were so many other things that happened the day before too. Other things like we were deliberately given the wrong time and we had to contact 15 million people within 24 hours to tell them the time was incorrect and the people involved in did that claim that we made it up and we've got emails and we sent it back to them and says, we have emails where you said this was the right time and they've never attacked us since because I said, if you ever attack us again, we'll put it up. So we had all this going on all the way through and you've got to wonder, why would there be so much ways that they try to destroy this ceremony to make people fearful unless it was real? So Correct. that's really Correct. important to understand. So if you think that we, because the ridiculous part of the story is, mate, and I think I've told you this before, 
what they said was supposed to happen at Uluru was that it was going to turn the planet on and the Schumann residents would start to behave like it never has before, of course, which it, it does ever since. Yep. And eventually on this planet, there will be two resonances, a lower resonance and a higher resonance, and every soul will be drawn to one or the other. And if you're drawn to the lower resonance, you disappear off this planet. That's much more complex than that. But even trying to prosecute that story, which is so unscientific from any normal rational teaching, is very difficult. But then when all these other things happen, it starts to become easier. Right? That's yeah, crazy. That's and yeah, Melissa says, and it's been pulsating very highly. Yeah, yeah. Um, usually yeah. on a daily yeah. On a daily basis. And for a while it was happening the same, roughly the same time every afternoon, every day it was going up. Now it's worth bearing in mind, ladies and gentlemen, and we've, we've got this in our articles and we put this up. The Schumann resonance was running at 0.3 to 0.6, according to Ukraine University at 731. But the time of ceremony 732, it went up 100 fold and stayed around 32 to 36 for the next four hours while people were meditating on this planet. 15 million people. It was instantaneous the way the resonance went up. And then they pointed out, I think Omar pointed out, look, you've got a shadow repetition of the same block the next day. It sort of echoed yeah. that people yeah. around the world, when they put positive energy into this planet, there's a proof there that it actually did affect the earth. And, of course, we have another film. It's only one and a half seconds at 7.32 from a group that were in another part looking directly at Uluru, and we've put it up and we'll keep putting it up each time, where the rock itself flashes and explodes in pure white energy, but no one saw it and nor did the camera people see it at the time until they looked at it later. And you can see it, and the white does not touch the rock, does it? It comes out of the rock, and I think it exploded around the world and that was the moment when what the elders called the magic box, which has Pleiadian crystals inside it, but it's actually inside the rock itself because it is the rock, Uluru, that's when it was turned on. And the yeah, interesting... I saw that when you guys, because you yeah. showed it the last time uh, I had you yep. guys on, you actually yep. showed that, uh, that light beam coming out. Now, Melissa said, mm. she asked the question, she said, could, getting back to when you're talking about people who... Uh, are attracted to the lower resonance will disappear. So I'll put it up on the screen uh, and I'll read it. Uh, she says, so So on the lower side, does that mean that they're harvested? No, no, they're not harvested. It's not heaven and hell. It's nothing like that. It's much more elegant. What actually takes place is the earth after that point will never drop. It will stay at the highest resonance and never drop back down and rest and then give us the time to get our head straight. It stays at a massive high resonance forever. And the concern is not that this is not a judgment on any person, because remember this, whatever numbers stay on this planet, there was another person who was next in line that just missed out by one word or one deed that should have nearly got here. And they're with Bill Gates. Come on. They, they can't all be punished the same for that. That wouldn't be fair. My right. understanding is this planet becomes purely magical from that point on and resorts back to the way it used to be and our genes get turned and all that sort of stuff. But for so many people who aren't evolved and or nearly aren't evolved by this much, they can't reside here because it would kill them. 
And this is for over the next couple of years. The reason why people are really feeling this at the moment, it peaks and goes back so that those that can stay get used to it. If it was to stay at the explosion that it had at that moment forever, that would be too much for all of us because we're not that evolved. We've got to get ourselves ready for this. It's not easy. So therefore, what it's doing, it's building up to that time when it stays like that and those who can't make it get an escape clause where they finish their incarnation here, then they create another incarnation on a planet elsewhere that resonates at the, the point it does when it rests here. And there they get to maybe get that last issue resolved and then they incarnate back here. There's no break in this. It's just that for many people, and it will be the majority, this was the time when people were measured to say, have you measured up? Did you pass the class? This experiment had a use-by date where this planet got turned on and then that energy then reverberates throughout the cosmos. This was a universal experiment. That's why they came here. And this is the culmination of it. But there's no one standing there with a pitchfork and saying all of you that didn't make it are damned. It's not like that. But all of you that made it were not ready. So go back to kindergarten, which is what this earth has been, but it has the potential to be a university, but this planet will now evolve. And you cannot live here because it is too powerful in its new form. So therefore go somewhere to prepare yourself to come back so you can exist and incarnate. So it's simply a matter of of cause and effect. Nobody, there's no Peter at the gate making a judgment on anywhere. It's just that this planet has a new way of functioning. And the animal, by the way, every animal on this planet, when it keeps at its highest vibration, they don't notice the difference. They're already completely evolved because they live with nature's law anyway. Yep. So for the other animals, they're fine. They're fine because for them, if we didn't get right on that day, then everyone was going to be suffering. They're happy. They will continue and they'll live with humans that honour them anyway. So that's not going to be an issue. Their future is secured now and they don't notice the difference. There's only one species on this planet that has lost the right to stay here for some of us because we didn't live with nature's law and we've broken it for so long. Nature said, no, that's it. We make a judgment, but it's not a damnation. It's a pause away. Mind you, for some of us, and I will include one name since I've already used it, Bill Gates, it will take more than one incarnation on another planet before you get back here. I've got to make that point, Bill. I'm not running you down in any shape or form, but you will need a few more incarnations. There's a few things you've got to sort out of a major level. But for others, people in our family that are nearly there that still just don't quite get it, they could just be one or two incarnations off because I've got to tell you that the numbers on this planet after this happens will be incredibly low and we'll, probably, we'll need more. It won't be enough. That's my biggest concern is that we won't have enough people to sustain a lifestyle similar to what we've got now. Right. And that could happen. You never know. Or Although we could go back to, uh, you know, a time like the Aborigines to where we don't need, you know, you're right, we wouldn't have this lifestyle because we wouldn't have the you know the 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 ability for all of the computers and all that so we may then transcend to a place where we go more native am i right what do you oh, think yeah so i look at look i'm sure it's going to become like michael tellinger says in butu i'm sure of that and it's going to become more communal but 
you know, I want to listen to yes, and I want to listen to music, and I still want, I mean, I hate computers, but I mean, otherwise, how does a synthesizer work without a computer? So I accept there's a need for this stuff, but I, I also accept the fact that we need to stop technology for probably five, six centuries so our spiritual mind can catch up, and we need to go back a bit. Yeah. I still want to live where we've got electricity, and when it's cold, I want to have heat, and I don't want to live out in the bush, and Evan doesn't want to live out in the bush either. So oh, I still want to... Yeah, it's just yeah. using what we have mm. in a more sustainable... Oh, completely sustainable uh, way, sustainable which we can way. do. Everything, yeah. we're at a stage now technologically where we could, could be completely sustainable if we did it tomorrow. We could do it that easy. So that's not an issue. We'll be right. forced into it. But, yeah, I still want to live inside a house, mate. I don't want to have a lean-to and live out when it's raining. I so I'm, I'm a creature <laughs> of a comfort. here, actually. Yeah. We're, but, we're in the subtropics. But, yeah, on a flippant level, but on a more serious level, the big issue for me and the reason why we hold these online conferences for one thing only is we talk to people each time at the end and we tell them the same thing. Go out to the people you know that aren't happy but still want to toe the line because they can't see each way around this. And our job, very simply, is to provide evidence. And, of course, what we've been focused on recently, Leonard, is the um, the UFO video we've got of them hovering at Uluru at 7.32. And um, we've been through, we put it up and we had different people saying, oh, no, 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 it's a helicopter. We've now checked and the last helicopter out, we even know the people on that helicopter came back at 4.30 and there was no helicopter that went out. Someone said it's a Cessna. We got the aviation map put out by the Northern Territory Government, didn't we, Evan? Mm. Around that time, and there was only one plane that was travelling from Adelaide to Darwin. It was 400 k's to the east, so that wasn't it. We've done the weather balloon. We've done all those things, but something interesting come out of it. it was a really slow-flying object in the up in the air there. But what happened was, and we've just put that up, but we've got new film. And this is the most interesting part of this equation because we know why that UFO was there. It was there to either help turn on that switch or to participate or to spectate in that switch. They were there for a reason to watch what was happening. But what is interesting is what happened was the person who filmed it is actually semi-blind and couldn't see it. Mm. and went past it three times. There it is, and he's gone. He's watching the cloud. Then he goes past again. Oh, there it is for a while. And when he comes back the third time, it's gone completely. But what's interesting is that it was going towards this massive patch of blue in the middle of the sky that was so eerie and wrong that everyone was looking at, but we never saw it go in. But what happened was somebody, for whatever reason I don't understand, decided to slow the film down by four times. And what they found is the UFO was still there in two frames after it disappeared, but only in the fourth frame for each minute, uh, for each second, and the other three it wasn't. So our eye couldn't see it because it only just turned up for a momentary flash of a second, but it was there for two more seconds, but it wasn't there, Yeah. Wow. which means it was actually crossing into another dimension and then it disappeared completely after. So we were seeing residual something that I've never seen before. So we're going to interview the people. Yeah, we're actually going to interview the people who filmed this because people are going to say because they've attacked it and said it's fake and stuff like that. But the gentleman involved, he didn't see it. And this is what's different about this film of UFOs because every other film, they're trying to film it. 
This guy didn't know it was there and didn't see it until the next day, so had no idea. So it has a completely different approach in that I'm not filming it and I'm going past it. Oh, there it is again. And you think, oh, God, it's gone again. And when you come back the third time, you're thinking, well, how could it disappear? Because it was moving like a slug, wasn't it? It was. If it was a plane, it's ridiculous because <laughs> it would have fallen on the ground. And someone said it's secret ops. And I said, mate, if that's secret ops where they can fly something at about 50 k's, that would be really good on the battlefield, won't it? Oh, here it is. Oh, wait for a while. We'll just have a smoke while it's coming towards oh, us and then we'll shoot it down. So right. it's not any of those things. It's actually spectating and watching. That's why it was going so damn slow. But it disappeared. And I said to people at the time, where's the technology from going at 5Ks an hour to I can't see you anymore? And then he went around the rest of the sky. So it's not as if it went somewhere else. But it turns out it was still there for the next second or so, but not in a way we could see it because it was still there for one of the four frames for that second. So that asked us a lot. By the way, I know the Pentagon said it could have been Russian or Chinese. Man, if they've got that technology, they can wipe out the rest of the world yesterday. If they've got a craft that can do that, that's beyond any technology we could even try and copy unless it was made on another planet. It's that simple. So it's strange how, as I said before, mate, way back three or four years ago, we never spoke about UFOs. Now I'm actually prosecuting this case in a way that I never thought I would. But that's the film we're going to put up next. And then we've got more that's come in. This is the weird part of this, that people just sent us the most amazing stuff. Remember those, that, that picture from the Glasgow one? Oh, yes. That's bizarre. Shots in fact, in Glasgow up. Herald called it, this is the war of the worlds. It was actually the war of the world, this world. And what it has, it has sheer columns of light coming out of the cloud and going down into actually houses, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and we've also got photos of um, in Hungary as well. The same thing, just hundreds of columns of light coming out of the clouds. And there's a Scottish guy that actually lived in Glasgow, and he said, I lived there for 25 years, and we never saw something like that. And this was all happening around that day or the day after. It's like we've got film of stuff that happened all over the planet that just could not have happened any other way. And they've all sent it to us, and we keep bringing it up, and we've got more to go with that. And it, what it does is for the people who think, oh, that, that couldn't have happened, these things couldn't have happened, and they did, and a lot of them happened exactly at 7.32 at the time when the ceremony was supposed to begin and turn the box on. So that's where we're taking ourselves at the moment with this, and um, it seems to be a story that doesn't have an end. We just add to it. Well, I think because we're an evolving species that the story I don't think will ever have an end because we won't ever have an end. Am I right? I think that's what this is about. What it's about is that when this is over, I'm going to go back to one of my, my, my boss elders, Carno said, a lot of the tech stuff that we have, and you know we've got heaps of stuff in Australia, he said it comes from a time when we had more genes. And what he means by that, and I know that Paul was talking about this before, and you guys were talking about the brain functioning properly. The move, reason why our brain doesn't function properly is because the genes are turned off. And if our genes were turned on, then we would be working a brain at 100%. Any other organ in your body, if it was working at the capacity of your brain, you'd be dead. Right. 
Agreed. That's the truth of it, man. If your if your liver was working at ten to fifteen percent, you're on the operating table, mate. And they're either going to transplant it or basically do what they can and keep you alive for another year. But you're going to die because it's just not working anymore. And that's what people have got to think about. Why did nature give us such a large brain, and then we decide to use so little of it? Well, I like um, this quote from the Acropolis of Adam. She taught me a word of knowledge of the eternal God, and we resembled the great eternal angels, for we were higher than the God that created us and the powers with him whom we do not know. Yes, so we've got the whom we do not know part of the equation now. So we started like that. According to the Gnostic scriptures, we started, and I think one of the plans here was to cross the best of humans with the best of aliens and create something like they just said in the Gnostic scriptures. And that was the deal. What I think is supposed to happen is the deal does become fulfilled now and it's up to humans where they want to be part of this, which means what I said before about our conferences is which when we, we don't do much of the esoteric stuff, we're going to try and sneak some in this time. We let everyone else do that because our job is to make sure when people come to this that we calm down their rational left-centered brain enough to let the other stuff in because we're trained as soon as you talk alien, it's little green men in tin hat. And until the Pentagon come on, they were the ones making those stories. Until they started this thing the day within 12 hours of the ceremony, they were the ones who had been doing everything, including killing people, threatening people, making them lose their jobs, all sorts of things they did on behalf of covering this up. And now they tell you all about it. That, to me is proof, along with the Northern Territory government and Qantas, that what was taking place there had not even earthly consequences, it had galactic and cosmic consequences. The problem is that that mob, the cabal, and the people who are locked into, the puppets who are locked into doing this, will continue doing this, and they've only got one thing they can do. Over the next couple of years, they're going to make people so fearful they will not commit to this. That's their role. That is what this game is about now. The COVID, the fact that they're trying to fight a started world war with China, who haven't done anything to us at the moment except being bastards like we all are, and they tried, <laughs> we've got monopolies all over the world. Right. And, we're, and, and the Chinese who have act as a country monopoly, we attack them and all these other monopolies, they sit alongside there and say, we're part of democracy, and they screw us up too. They're all screwing us up. It doesn't matter what their company is or what their country is or what their philosophy is. It's the same thing. So this is different. What's beautiful about this, you don't, it doesn't matter what religion you're in, what country you're in. It's a matter of you saying to yourself, it's all a lie, and that ceremony did happen, and what's offered with this ceremony is the way I should be. And what people need mm. to do is they need to go out and tell others about that. But I make a point with that. When they do mm. go out and tell others about them, don't nag. Say it once. And if that seed germinates that day or the week after or the month after or one of the couple of years left, because it's not many, then that's great. Then they then see that this is not the way to do things and they lock themselves into a story, and don't forget this story of um, the two paths or two roads, which is what the Mayans call it, don't they? Mm. And the Hopi call it the fast-flowing river, and we use that quote a lot about them saying the 12th hour has come, jump into that river. 
it's not just something that the original people made up with one ceremony, which is one of many that led up to that ceremony. It is part of what all the indigenous people on this planet said would happen. They always said that there'd be a choice between two paths. The hoppies say jump into the river, don't cling on to the shore because you will, you will not be saved there, and many will. They'll refuse to jump into the river. The Mayans say there's two paths. Well, they were right. That's all we're saying, that all the stuff that the indigenous people were saying and they kept on to those truths was right. There was a time when a choice would be made if we went the wrong way, which we did. And now that's coming up. And now everyone's accountable and they have to make a decision. And it's funny, but they don't have to invest money. In fact, what they're not allowed to do is to follow a team or a team leader. This is really important. You can't say I'm doing this because of someone else because that means you're not going to make it. This is not what it's about. The hobbies say... We are the ones we have been waiting for. What they mean about that, when you jump into that river, you jump in on your own, don't they? Mm, you don't right. jump in with anyone else. You've got to jump in on your own. They say celebrate the ones who are there. Don't bring someone with you. And if your parents won't come and your partner won't come, that is their decision. All you can do is present to them the truth of what this is about, and that's why if they don't believe that, we've got to put up the sign so they can watch this and say, oh, yeah, I get it now then they make that decision, not us, and you can't force them because if you do force them, guess what? They'll choose what you don't want. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, and, and you really can't choose for anybody else. And, and I agree with, and I like what, you, what you're saying with the Hopi, uh, it, it was also, you know, we can look at the different religions and Christianity. For one, Jesus said that, you know, the same thing, that the, the truth is within you. Within yes. yourself, that's that's your savior. Stop looking outward for someone to save you. And that's what the hope you're saying. You need to jump into that stream, but you have to make that decision on your own. And I think that um, the biggest problem we have, and maybe I'm wrong, I'll get your opinion on that. The biggest problem that we have is the people here don't realize that they didn't have that choice. It was taken from them. And a lot of us are now trying to say, no, look, it's here. The hope you've been telling you all the aborigines from around the world, the original people from everywhere have been telling us forever. It's right in front of us. Right. I talked about that. Right. What, what's your, what do you, what do you think on that? No, that's exactly right. Leonard. it is all about that. If people really knew there was an option, many more people would actually choose correctly. If I was to say to someone, I can give you a black brand new flat screen TV or I can give you the, cow, the powers of Kana, my elder, who disappeared in front of Graham Hancock and us, who rang us up on one occasion and told us everything we did from 3,000 k's away because a red kangaroo told him what we did, and he told us everything, word for word, exactly what we'd done. If I said I could give you those powers or give you a flat screen TV, anyone would say I'd love to have those powers. Anyone would say that. And, that, and if they said the flat screen TV... Oh, for God's sake, die. Don't come back. You just never, you don't deserve to be here. Honestly, that obvious, but they don't know that's real. I mean, we're lucky. I've seen and Evan's seen Kano disappear with a smile on his face, then reappear. And we've seen that stuff. Kano rung us and he was there on the phone call when he told us everything we did 3,000 Ks away four hours before, word for word, everything we did, even what we said, all that stuff. So we've seen it. We know it's true. 
And what he said time after time is, everything I can do, you can do. That's the one thing he said every time. So every human on this planet has the potential to have that degree of magic about them. But the trick is this, you've got it. They don't believe it anymore, which is why this Pentagon thing is so bizarre. But remember, now you know why they had to do it because they know they're coming and they're going to make themselves more shown. And then now they're trying to make people think when you see them, it could be Chinese or Russian. So let's spend more money. What they're saying is let's spend more money on intelligence. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, you mean after 20 years, you don't haven't got a picture, a, a satellite picture of this facility where they make the ufos you haven't got a statement from anyone or a photograph from anyone saying i've been there and done it you want more money for intelligence when you don't even know that and you're still guessing and this thing can destroy your all of your military they know that they said that but they don't have a clue who's got it and they want more money for intelligence i'm thinking man there's no intelligence there to begin with remember this <laughs> they've done that the reason they put it out is so when you see the ufos you think it could be the enemy you see what they've done there? Mm. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. They've put it out in a way where they've already got hawks running around now on Fox and other news stations saying we need more money because it probably is the Russians or Chinese and they've got better stuff than us and they'll kill us. We've got to fight them back straight away. And right. they're getting into war mode right now and now they're dropping a hint. It could be the Chinese have got that, so we better fear them. I'm thinking to myself, UFOs have been around for 50 years, right? I'm thinking of China 30 years ago. What were they capable of making then, Evan? Not much. They, it's a bullshit. The Chinese have only just caught up. Yeah, and, and they're saying they were doing it from the start too. Give me a break. But right. anyway, all that stuff, what they've done, remember what they've done, so that when you see the UFOs, you think they're the, the enemy again, and therefore you still don't get it off them. And so they're trying to make this easy for us, but they've actually done something clever. They made everyone put out and think, oh, they're going to make out a false flag alien invasion. No, they didn't. They left it in a way where they say technology above us. It's not us. That's all they're saying. They left Americans fearful. Yep. And that's what they do. Now we're fearful. Oh, my God. Not only can COVID get us, but the Chinese can get us with these things that we can't chase and we can't catch. Oh, I'm more fearful than I was. So yep. don't give them credit for one thing, Leonard. They are incredibly intelligent, aren't they? They can yeah. even take an event like that where they know they're going to show themselves more, right, and turn it into a way to create fear again because that is their skill. Yep. And that's yep. what people have got to understand with this game, that they're on the losing side and they know they're going to lose. And people say, well, why do they bother when they know they're going to lose? And I said, because that's all they know how to do. Yeah, that's yeah. what they're, they're programmed to do. Yeah. yeah, they know they're in their death rolls and they're trying to do anything they can do to get everybody fearful. Agreed, they want you fearful so that you won't do that. You know, Melissa yeah. made a good comment here. <clears throat> Let me find it on the screen here when we were talking about jumping into the water. And I want to put that up on the screen and read it for those who are on the MP3 file broadcast. She said, uh, And into the ocean I go to lose my mind and find my soul. Yeah. That's exactly what the hobby said. Well, not in those words, but that's exactly what they said. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they said you had to do. And they said, don't be fearful about the fact you can't see a destination. There is one there. Just yeah. go with the flow of the river. And that means what the, what the hobby is saying is submerge yourself with nature. 
accept nature yes. Yes. Your and your guide and you will be fine that's what they're saying i mean that's really i mean if you want a literal interpretation that's what it means it doesn't mean go and find a river i mean i can't swim no, right and no, therefore, i'm the first one to die <laughs> Yeah. So I'm in big trouble if this is what I've got to do. I mean, for God's sake, I cannot swim. It's the one thing I can't do. So for me, it's a frightening thought to dive into a river without anything and then just hope it's okay. But it's, it, no, but it's, it's, a, met it's a metaphor for faith, yeah. having faith and looking within. Trust yeah. yourself. Trust that you are part of the creation, if not the creation itself, and take mm -hmm. that leap of faith on your own merit that you're going to be okay no matter what. Right? Exactly. Yeah, that's what it's about. And yeah. it's the same leap of faith that 15 million people did when they went out into the cold and put themselves out and for 20, 30 minutes, whatever it was, they just thought positive thoughts. And I said to everyone when I was saying this, even if it's not true, it's not a bad thing to do. And for 20 minutes, you're going to be a better person. And I said, you can't really lose. But irrespective of that, they did exactly what the hoppy said. They jumped into that stream for 20 minutes and they enjoyed it. And they want to go back into that stream. A lot of people have said, why can't we do it again? And I know there was one group that was trying to say, let's do it at this time and we'll tell you how to do it. And I said, look, whatever you do, from this point on, the rock is turned on, all the sacred sites are turned on. Just go out and meditate. You don't have to have a time and you don't and you shouldn't have a leader telling you how to meditate. If meditation means you plug, go out there and sing some songs, do it. If you want to dance while you're doing it, do it. It doesn't matter. It's just giving yourself the positive thoughts and sending it to the planet. And that's really how you get a ticket to ride when what comes up ahead, ladies and gentlemen. It's a real simple equation. It won't be a money thing. Your ticket to ride is very much committing yourself to the planet and to the welfare of the planet and saying to those who don't want to do that, well, I wish you well. No bitters intended, but obviously it's back to kindergarten again, kids, because I was told by the elders, we come here to learn two things. One is why, and the second one is love and magic. It's those two things. Love and magic go together, and why is basically why we're here, why we exist, what is it all about. You have to find out. It's no good just saying, I'm going to do the love part and leave the other part. It doesn't work. You've got to do both. Agreed. Yeah. And, you know, that's I think a lot of, uh, of the problem is the people, um, they, they don't realize that they got to put in the work. They want everything handed to them because they've been taught. And I think wrongly so. On, uh, and rightly, if I was on the mindset of the powers that should not be been taught in all the churches, in all the orthodox religions that you're supposed to be looking for a savior from without, not a savior within when even the savior for the Christians when he was here, spoke of you need to look within for mm. the Savior, not for not from without. So everybody's stuck in that mindset, I think, that especially the Judeo-Christian uh, uh, world, which is a couple of billion people, in my opinion, uh, are stuck yeah. in that ideology. Like you said, it's either a, it's going to be demons or or something, or it's the devil. Uh, so don't believe it. Only believe what I tell you, and you're still waiting for your Christ figure to come back and get you. And I think that's what causes a lot of the confusion. Am I wrong in that? No, you're completely right. And in fact, you summed that up perfectly. I'm trying to work out what I could add to that that makes it no, any that really, That's clearer. a really good way. No, it's exactly what's it. happened. It's exactly what's happened. Um, the church stole God from people's yep. souls and claimed it inside a, a building. 
and that's not how indigenous people see spirituality that's not how anyone should see it once once you give a face to a religion it becomes dangerous Agreed. because once it's got a face then it's got a human face and it becomes human and I, I've checked, Leonard, and I might be wrong about this, but I haven't met a perfect human at the moment, so it's scary thought. If it was put as a nebulous spirit, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. But once you put a face on something, you humanise it, and really that's not the deal in this. It's not about that. And so therefore, yeah, humans, and that's what, what they've done to an extent, is because people now believe that I find religion and, and and meaning within of walls um it takes them away from nature and it takes them away from contacting with the animals um from getting messages from the animals it contacts and it takes them away from everything that's supposed to make humans humans and it puts them inside a concrete jungle so yeah you're right and the trick for a lot of people as you know there are a lot of really good people walking around right now that deserve to be part of this new world that's coming ahead. But they're not going to make it simply because they've been lied to and they've been blinded and they can't see it. And it's rather sad. There are so many people, because the great majority of humans on this planet are intrinsically good people. But unfortunately, the way it's been put to me, being an intrinsically good person will not be enough this time. You have to have made a commitment to see what the truth is. So there is a difference. Before that had been tolerated for a long time, which means that we're allowed to come back each time and make the same mistakes and continue being ignorant. And they keep saying, oh, well, well they send the little puppy back again and play again. <laughs> you know, they're slow, but they'll get there eventually. But that was the deal. That was okay. They were fine with that. But when this experiment began, I know you and Paul spoke about that because it is an experiment because... There were about 10 different hominids walking around this planet 100,000 years ago, and they chose one to breed with, to cross-fertilise with, to hybridise. That was the one of the 10. If Denisovans were better than this than us, man, we wouldn't exist. We'd all be Denisovans. Neanderthals and Denisovans have bigger brains than us. Get that straight. That is a fact, right? They did right. not get wiped out because we were smarter. We were dumber than them. We know for a fact that Neanderthal had hot water systems over 70,000 years ago. Denisovans made the best jewel you'd ever see. They were doing that when we are dribbling in caves. We didn't get in front of them through any intelligence if, because the aliens and others chose us as a compliant, something they could work with both ways around. And that's how this has turned up. What Paul's talking about from a religious viewpoint is exactly the same truth we're talking about from the bones from the archaeology, we're all doing the same story. I agree, and, and I think that it's going to take all of us coming from, and we kind of talked about that with Paul, and you and I have talked about this uh, several times as well, that it's going to take, I think, all of us coming from different angles like yep. this to lead everybody to the central point. Because let's face it, it hasn't worked any other way, and they've been stifling <laughs> it now because we've all taken the step to show how we all came from a different place and we've all arrived at the same place over time. I think that uh, you guys doing that with this event that's coming, or the ones that you're ongoing doing, because not just one, you have 11 and 12, and you're planning to continue doing this into the future. So yeah. I, I think the more that we get more people's voices, more diversity from that's other it. places, yeah. 
that have all come to the same conclusion and we show them that I think the more people are going to be interested, like you said earlier and Paul said earlier, it's going to tickle somebody's fancy. It's going to get into somebody's head. And even if not, like you have referred to through osmosis, it's still going to get in there and they'll have the tools to make the decision. And if they don't make that decision, it's not your fault. It's not mine. We've tried to give them the tools to tell them it's right here in front of you. And all you have to do is jump like the Hopi said, right? Yep, definitely. Uh, I was just going to say, Gospel Thomas, spit a piece of wood, I'm there, lift up a stone, you will find me there. It's everywhere. And, it's everywhere, uh, right? We yeah. uh, all talked about that, how in, in so many, and like with what you were saying, let's get back to that really quickly. I see Leah's waiting there patiently in the green room. We'll pull you in here in a minute, Leah. Uh, pull you up. So don't think we, I don't realize you're there. I see you there. <laughs> so, but like you said, we're not having a face drawn uh, to said deity. You have the Muslims who refuse to allow a face to be put. You could go to be put to death and put a face yeah. on, on God. The, the, the Hebrews also with Moses, who shall I say? I am sent you no face. No name, right? That's no it. name, God. I am yeah. sent you. So there's two examples in two prominent religions uh, mm. that kind of kept to that story. I wanted to point out to 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 talk to your point and point out to the world about what uh, Stephen was saying that there are some efforts to keep that that whole thing uh, the way it should yeah. be, so that you will look within. But unfortunately, yeah. like you said, it was stolen. God was stolen from us uh, by the powers that should not be. Right. Yeah, well, um, uh, in the Gospel of Thomas, it says, the disciples say to Jesus, when will the kingdom come? And Jesus says, it will not come by waiting for it. It, will be a matter, it won't be a matter of saying, here it is, there it is, rather the kingdom of the Father is spread upon the earth and men do not see it. Yeah, they don't. They don't see it. That's the, that's right. the important part and that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And to an extent, if I can lead into Leah, mm-hmm. one, of the things, one of the things we want to do now is again we're going to continue giving proof about the fact that there's an alien involvement from the very beginning here but leah i want to just make one point um i have no doubt as much as i have no doubt with the science we've got with the chemical readouts we've got which we've got you know all that stuff we've got pure science there with those things i have no doubt because i know that that's true in leah's case she is an actual medium to an alien of high standing uh, and has been in contact with for quite some time. And what I did to begin with when she first said that is I deliberately asked her questions that she could not know the answer to. And I did this on quite a few occasions and time after time after time, it would come back through Mesref that he would give an indication and you knew damn well what I was talking about and she'd come <laughs> back and relay that. And after I did that, I guarantee I've done that to... um. So I'll read it too, the same thing. When I get a psychic who I think is really good or got some psychic ability, I, as a scientist, I want proof. I want pragmatic proof that where I can try and experiment and get an answer. And it sounds quite bizarre to say that I actually know this, this lady is in contact with these beings and that leads to the reason why we're going to have Leah in is basically on each piece is because I'm going to write some questions out. Eight. And I'm going to give them to Leah and then I'm going to ask her to contact Mesref and that will be basically the session we're going to do there. And we're going to do that each time. 
and I'm going to ask questions about what's going on here, and I've got a series of questions I'd love to ask, and a lot of people would think, geez, if I had a chance to ask an alien a question, I'd certainly a couple I'd like to do. And this is what we're also going to do, was we're going to make 10 questions, eight from me, and two that Evan's going to choose from anyone who buys a ticket. If they wish, they can send us an email with a question they'd like to ask this alien called Mesref, and Leah will speak a lot more about her. And I can tell you, you are not wasting your time because you actually are getting a real telephone to the Sky Heroes. The original people don't call them aliens. We call them Sky Heroes. We call our gods, by the way, Sky Heroes. Oh, same thing. wonder how that works. So what you get, what we're offering is a chance to actually, well, we're going to pick two each time. Okay, I'm doing eight. And then that session will be Leah reading back that. And sometimes we might discuss what he'd said and about what that means, but we want to go through those eight questions. So that's part of what we're going to do. And that's also a good segue to lead into Leah and for us to sort of leave you guys. And, and thank you once again, Leonard. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I love your thank questions. You. Well, thank you very much. I, I always, uh, always love talking to you guys. Um, I'm sorry, when I put Paul up there on the screen, I put it back on you because otherwise we'd, we're seeing like half of each of us here. <laughs> I may pull, Paul, I may put you into the green room. You can still hear us and see us. Uh, and that way, if you want to talk, just tell me in the in the private chat and I'll bring you back into the studio. Uh, so let me go ahead and bring Leah in with us here. Yeah. Right? So there, we are. there we are. Welcome. And uh, like I said, you guys rock. I love talking to you guys. Um, I love our conversations that we have every single time. Uh, we need to do this more often. Leah, you and I have never met. Um, <laughs> I know about you. I don't know as much as I do about those guys like Paul or Evan, um, but I'm, uh, I'm glad to have met you uh, in person. Uh, but I have known a little bit about your past and we want to get into that, right? Mm -hmm. and I want to get into all of that. So I want to bring all of that out and then we'll also talk about you know, the event that you guys are all doing that you're emceeing, correct? Am I right, Matt? Yep. You're also speaking in that event, right? Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, sorry. I thought I thought you were talking to um, uh, Steve there for a second, but yes, I, I will be speaking at the event. Yeah, or I'm <laughs> no, no, no. I apologize. I know I should have put you on the screen when you knew you were on the spotlight, right? I should have. Okay, let, me, let me put you. Let me put you on full screen. Can I speak now? Yes. <laughs> there you go. Now you know you're on the spotlight. Excellent, right? excellent. Okay. Oh, I know. I'm a little confused now. Excellent. I'm going to know my face is in the. I know, I know, and I'm, I'm in the center. It's no, good. that's okay. That's right. I didn't, I didn't address you and then put you up on the screen. Otherwise, you would have went. Okay, he's talking. Okay, <laughs> apologize for that. Yeah, uh, right. So let's let's start with. I'll do the same thing I did with Paul, and I like to do this with with everybody that I, I bring on my show. Let's let's go all the way back to the beginning. Where, oh, wow. when, what time did you? get i mean like first of all you're channeling right and you're channeling an alien but i know there was something that happened prior to that let's go back in this lifetime mm -hmm. and let's talk about how everything started for you and then let's bring that through to to now but let's start as far back as you want to start back absolutely well um I've, it, it's, it's an interesting question when we're starting back from the beginning because it's it's a a lot of events that have accumulated into um what is the present um, with my life now, and um, and it's always interesting because um, it's it's always changing. It's always it's, my experience is always changing. My perspe uh, perspectives are always changing as well. But from the very beginning, um, I was a contactee um, ever since I was in early childhood. I remember being around five years old when I first started having physical encounters, um, and I perhaps even 
earlier. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. And that's interesting because the older I get and um, the more I think about it, I, I, I do, I start remembering more and more things that have happened that I've completely forgot about or like overlooked and I hadn't even considered. Um, so um, it was, it was probably even earlier than five. Um, my very first physical experiences uh, were with um, these ET beings um, um, going somewhere with them. Um, having actual physical, like I remember um, having um, having my, my shoulder touched and, you know, just just like being in very close physical, like I could feel body heat as well being that, that actually close to them. I could even smell um, some, some members as well. Um, however, those um, experiences were very, very rare. Um, overall, my entire life I've I had probably that I can recall about more, I think now like that because I remember as I said I remember a bit more um, and uh, I don't recall ever being ever ever being like around um, in in a, in a ship like that's always a very interesting thing with a lot of people ask, oh so were you ever in a spaceship and I'm like I cannot confirm that I have no idea of knowing because um, all I remember is uh, just uh, being in in a room and i mean they can they can bend space so it's not like you know they're like oh like, let's just make a little like temporary realm or a plane of existence it's fine you know it's like pocket dimension why not like so i i no no idea what uh you know what, what where it, oh, still a lot of questions um i mean my in my early in my early childhood but point is connection and contact have been made right so Right. Um, as the years progress, I'm learning um, that they, they are uh, not only um, uh, visiting me when I'm in my waking state, I'm also visiting them in my, in my sleep state. So um, I didn't realize at the time that I was uh, actually traveling to them sometimes and they were actually traveling to me because I could still see them. I could still interact with them. I, I could, you know, even, even when I was at school, even when I was at home and uh, sitting here around like, you know, you know, playing with them and, uh, you know, I'd be talking to them all the time and I'd be talking to other people about them all the time, like my parents, my friends at school. Um, and mom didn't even, you know, consider for a second, like there was anything unusual. She was like, Oh, you know, a little kid, you know, imaginary friend. Sure. Why not? Sounds like a, sounds like a blast. Um, so I was having a, a, a combined experience in many ways not just the physical but astral and even psychic in nature but of course those two latter aspects I hadn't I wasn't quite I didn't I, I didn't know what they were I didn't know what 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 it was so um I was just being a kid and I'm just like you know I am just talking to these people I'm you know I'm comfortable with them I'm having conversations with them I'm playing with them but we're, we're doing stuff together we're um as as friends do as as um our family would and um you know as I got older um my um other relatives who were not particularly big fans of um you're eight years old grow up already kind of thing it was that sort of situation so like, oh my word. so um yeah it, it was a, it was not a not a very good experience and um uh, that seed of doubt had been planted because I'll oh, just be oh I can't see them see them so therefore they mustn't exist right because that's how things work <laughs> okay right. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah it was it was it was yeah seeds of doubt planted I started to deny them I didn't want to have anything to do with them my my contacts would be very clear uh i was basically saying no nah, you know you're not real you're not real no one can see you don't worry about it you just go away and uh, for a while they did 
come um, puberty, when, when I was like 13, 14, um, I was living more or less, <laughs> um, very, very, very unusual existence, you know, a lot of confusion, like growing up, um, just wondering like what was going on with my past, um, trying to make sense of my, my, my life, right, my, my existence um, with what I, what I knew, what I remembered, who I was friends with. And um, next thing I realize, I'm in contact again with this, with this being in, um, in, my, in my actual state. And uh, he says, "Actually, you, this was this was this was a part of this. This was your reality. This is who this is who you are. This is, you know, you you have an opportunity again if you want to if you want to try again, and you know you can learn more more about what's what's going on, a bit more about yourself, a bit more about us. Um, if you don't want it, that's cool. If you if you do, well, I'm I'm here now. So, and this being was Mesrith, <laughs> the one the one I." I regularly speak with and and um well when i say regularly i i i have a very very close affinity to um because we're kind of like almost polars in in many ways um polar opposites so uh he's he, i i i could get angry very quickly he, he has to deal with my rage because he's had to be here through my worst moments, through my moments of denial and my moments of like, you know, just what, you know, what's going on? What's the point of my existence? This is, this is, this time's a waste of time, <laughs> you know? Right? Yeah. Well, you know, exactly. the universe is, I think, you know, I found that the universe is very patient. Uh, I think mm -hmm. it's we humans who are impatient uh, because, yeah. uh, because of our linear time. So sure. I think they understand what we have to go through to get to that point better than we do. Uh, but as well, as to your point, uh, mm -hmm. most of us, I was lucky enough to where I had a father, uh, Paul talked about that, uh, I, I had a father where uh, he encouraged uh, uh, things a lot more. So I, I grew up with a more open mind than, uh, than other people. And, and a lot of people have that, like you had, where the parents stifle you because they don't know because they're mundane. And uh, But the universe has a way of your experience talks to that. The universe has a way of uh, going, okay, we'll wait for the for the moment to be right. And then, oh, here, tickle, tickle, we're back, right? And that's kind exactly. of, yeah, we're back and we'll give it another shot. Now that you don't have all those influences and mm -hmm. you're a little bit older and wiser, how about we give it another go? And that's what happened to you, right? Mm -hmm. That's right. It's, it's exactly what happened. And um, yeah, it was, it was, um, it, it was interesting because it like it wasn't meant to be that way. It wasn't. It wasn't meant to. I, I wasn't meant. I wasn't meant to be stifled. It was meant to like because they were solely introducing me into into shall we say like their, you know, where they are like under, under, um, and introducing me to the way they think, the way they behave, what they what they're doing, their, everything, um, for really really putting in the groundwork to familiarize myself with them. How and just how things. On their end, work the process processes, and it was um, like it, it, the, the 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 thinking and the psychology actually probably um, really really important. Like I, um, it, because when whenever I'm like, I, and I know we'll talk about this in a sec, but when people ask me like, oh, what what a like you know, they people when people ask me what do ETs want, or um, and first of all, I only know one group okay i only i only i'm only in contact i regular contact with only one specific quote-unquote quote faction if you will um 
So I, I can't say what the rest are, are doing or what, because I don't know. I'm not in contact with trillions of people at the same time. I have no idea. I, yeah. I only know like a handful. I know that guy, <laughs> but I, you know, I don't know Zorg. Who, who's that? <laughs> but um, right, yeah. agreed. Because you, you're you're in contact with one group doesn't mean you know the entire universe and all the secrets, right? <laughs> Right. Thank you. Thank you for someone's. Thank you for saying that <laughs> because I've often been like, oh, like who's this? You know, oh, who, who, Leah, who, who's that? Who's this species? I'm like, I don't know. Why are you asking? I, I don't like. Do you know how many there are? Like, I, I don't even know how many colors there are on the spectrum. What do you want from me? Um, you know, so. It's it's interesting because yeah, when when people ask like, oh yeah, what's what are they like? What do they think? And um, by favorite. My favorite one is like, oh, well, if they're real, yeah. pre-Pentagon for a moment, right? if yeah. they're real, why don't they come here <laughs> and show themselves? First of all, they have, but let's just assume, like, let's go really, really, really material reference, just a moment. Um, so you're expecting these beings who, who have been working with multiple uh, shall we, dimensions of the universe who who think in in very layered ways who who have technology that have uh, have had technology for for a very long time that allow them to actually perceive the universe in far greater breadth and depth than we have we, we were just starting to in in science um where it's not just what we would consider because tangibility is relative, um, you know, uh, our our perspectives, we all see the world through one a single pair of eyes, don't we? So everything is relative. These guys who have these, my contacts have been working with all these different ways and, you know, through all these different means and have this fantastic sort of bird's eye perspective on things. So not, not they don't know absolute, but they know a lot. So all of a sudden you're asking them who, who, who live this way, who have this culture around, you know, um, to actually just sort of like just really squeeze into a nice tight corset, uh, um, you know, uh, with, with a tuxedo to like, you know, just to just to be like, yeah, hey guys, just a like little wave from the from the distance. Be, hey, hey, which by the way they are doing, but it's kind of like you know, a bit narrow and more. <laughs> another thing, we're also very narrow humans, <laughs> right? So it's kind of like. What do you want them to do? That's well, why you have people I like me coming and be like, oi. <laughs> I think what the problem is, and I've said this to people when they say the same thing to me, well, if they're, you know, as soon as they preface the whole, the whole sentence with that, if they're real, why don't they? And then you already know what the question is going to be, the question is going to be here. And the answer is always the same. And I've said this to people, instead of trying to answer the question, I say, you see, here's the, here's the, the problem that you have. And they go, what do you mean? <laughs> Well, the question that you're asking is assuming that you're who they have to impress. Exactly. <laughs> right? Thank you. Right? So they've already been here. They've been here forever, and they've shown it to us everywhere. But when you look at that, it's the forest through the trees. You're looking through the forest. You keep going, where is it? Behind the trees there? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Where is it? Is it right. behind the trees, those trees? Oh, right. Is it behind that? I'm like, no, it is that. Take a look. That's the forest right there. So that that I don't try to. And this is where uh, Stephen said the same thing. You can put it there, and the old saying: you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. You can put it there for them to see. But if they don't choose, it's esoteric. If they don't choose to see it, they're not going to. And them asking you that question that way already says I'm negative. I don't believe in any of this because if it did, it would happen to me first before you. 
<laughs> like you were Which saying with your dad, he was saying, well, if I don't see it, it's obviously not real. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, yeah, it's like, it's trying to explain color to a blind man sometimes. And it's just, you know, like when, when, when you're trying to explain, like, especially when it comes to perception um, it, and it, the thing is, yeah, you can't, um, you you have a better time convincing um, a wall, honestly. When you when you have when you have like, no, I'm not saying it's all it's it's always a fruitless endeavor. Like it's a waste of time because I mean everybody's different. Like everybody, you know, it, we're all limited to the experiences that we have. We we are um, biologically, you know, we are biological machines, and um, we have our own programs. You know, we have our own wet wiring um, to in order to function right. to um, survive as uh, physically anyway for as long as possible. Um, so, um, I do have, uh, sympathy for people, um, who, who, who choose, who are just simply just wired that, you know, like that, this is, this is, this is their narrow reality. It's, and you know what, in a way, like if that makes them happy, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's fine. As long as, you know, as I said, it, it's fine. But, um, the problem is with those, like the, 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 um, the consequences I'm saying for, for choosing to be this way to uh, so choosing to be that way um it is um it, you're gonna end up losing a lot you're gonna be you're gonna end up losing people around you people are gonna like because everyone grows everyone grows and right. um, you know everyone learns as well so like people change and you know they often get left behind they're like they realize they look around like hey, i mean like a lot of friends that i used to talk to about all sorts of stuff are not real not really interested in anything i'm um i'm doing these days or you know so it's it's kind of like you know it's 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 yeah um pity them that's a lot to say don't argue just pity <laughs> right well you know that's <clears throat> that's kind of what it's all about we're here uh, first of all i think we're all here to to learn that's what we're here to do to evolve so, <clears throat> so we are forever evolving and that you know it's like we talked about with what i talked about with paul and with Stephen and Evan, that is never going to be an end because we're not going to end. So the 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 creator, I believe, doesn't want it to end because we there was supposed to be all of this for us to continue learning over and over and over, but more so learning and breaking new grounds, not just uh, old grounds. But unfortunately for us, I think we need to break old grounds mm -hmm. to get to the new grounds because all the old grounds have been taken from us, right? Yeah. And yeah. so this kind of plays into back to what you know you guys are doing at these events. <clears throat> but I want to—we'll get to that. But I want to—I want to ask um, uh, how. And let's get back to your abilities. How did you know the first time that the communication that you were getting was not your mind? How how did you discern the difference of hey, this is actually someone else? <laughs> So, um, well, I, it, it's it's a good it's a great question because it took me many years to discern to like to you know to 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 split because of course that was that uh, doubt and and denial like when I was um, uh, when I when I first started having uh, my re resuscitation my rekindling experiences. Uh, so when I was in my in my early early teens and um, I I was. I was like, what, what the hell is this? And like, not only, not only am I having these astral experiences and of course I'm still learning, it's still trying to figure out what, what, what's really like, you know, what the difference is between astral and um, psychic and, and physical and all this sort of stuff. Right. Um, yeah, it was very, very difficult. It was uh, years of, I, I remember thinking like, this isn't like this, this is, this is insane. Like I remember thinking like it, it was interesting and it was, it was fun at the beginning. But then it went into this sort of way of 
because they were there, they were talking. And um, then it went into just like, like oh, wait a minute, because, you know, I, I've heard mental illnesses. <laughs> have right. these times, well, know, that's what the church is trying to sell us, right? They, you, oh, that's got to be the devil. Don't listen to that. Right, no right. No free thinking here. No free thinking here. Only what we tell you. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and <clears throat> um, so it was. It was um, a, a very scary, very, very scary because I was um trying to trying to figure out what was going on and um like trying to peel back the layers and there was and it turned into a bit of a into a bit of a spiral down because it was like oh my god like is this i can't trust what they say because you know it's like um this is this is just my my imagination this is just my like you know my own um miswiring you know um and what was interesting, like I, I remember when I was in my moments of extreme self-doubt and an extreme, like, cause I, not to mention, I, I was also experiencing through very, very intense um, situations um, of my life at that time too, uh, which were very, very emotionally um, turbulent. Um, so it was like a whole bunch of compounded things that just didn't help. Like, you know, just, just, just all the stuff that was going on in it very, too soon, you know, too early. <laughs> um, right. But, you uh, know, I think that kind of happens that way <clears throat> where I think, I don't know how it is set up that way, but I've observed in many people that I've talked to over the years that, that it's always in the strife at the worst times of our lives mm-hmm. when out of that, we gain something like you with the abilities and you're thinking that was the worst possible time for that to come through. But, right. was, but was it because it was the perfect time for it to come through, but you don't know that at the time and it comes through and then you go and you, and you, your whole life is in, in, in a disarray in some way. But a lot of us do that. We call that the dark night of the soul or whatever, mm-hmm. all this, all this negative energy. And then all of a sudden we get this clarity of wow wait a minute here's something that i think is the right way and then everything changes right exactly and it's interesting because like i'm glad you brought that up because it's it's interesting how much uh <laughs> so uh, i i mean you know i i often talk about Mesoth as a bit of a sadist and he is i think he is but uh he, there there is there is purpose why he does what he does so um it, it, he often he often let He's a type of one that um, lets me um, um, slam into a bunch of trees, but doesn't, but, but prevents me from falling off the cliff. That's that, you know. So when it comes to the pressures, when it comes to the emotional, just um, just the turmoil and the and the mental pain, um, and that's when he kind of like you know like goes it. You know, that's when he that's when he and uh, his ilk come in and um, and 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 really and start really pressing because um, the the behavior, the thinking that the psychology, the, the behavior and the thinking is um, um, you, we're, we're making you, we're turning you from coal to diamond. Right. So with the, you know, so this is, this is, this is part of it. Like, you know, yeah, we, there, there, you know, you, your life as is, you know, will be going through these things naturally and organically on its own, but because we are here, we're involved and there's something that you need to, to do. Um, we're just, we're just, we're just working you harder. We're just working. We're molding you um, um, in a specific way because this is the great time to do it. Because yeah, as I said, it's it's all part of it, right? Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of planning involved, a lot of foresight. But um, yeah, by no means are they om, om, omniscient or anything of the sort. They just they just have, a, as I said, very good understanding of of um, how we are and 
um, just how things are in the general sense. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, the 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 doubts. I was I just want to finish with this really quickly, but with the doubts. Um, so what ended up happening um, when I was like, you know what, this is, this is, uh, you know, I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm freaking out. I'm panicking. I'm, 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 I'm ill, you know, I, uh, I was, uh, they started talking to me individually because I, I, I was in contact with, with, with a handful of, of people. Like I, I could identify a few. So um, they just sort of like, just came in one by one by one. And they just sort of talking to me about their experiences, about their own lives, about their own exit, and just just showing me these images, um, showing me like you know through their senses, through their um, their experiences, their lives, and like living in so many different shoes for just for very for you know for very brief moments, about years, you know, and. Um, it was delightful and it was just like, it just made my like, you know, cause by that point it wasn't, I, I had considered ATs to be a monolith to be just one big, um, one big group, but no, they were, the, and, or, and, these, and these beings were so different and, and otherworldly to us. Um, to have that experience seem from for a moment to be, to be like they, yeah, that they have lives that they have, they've had mistakes. They've made mistakes. They've had doubts. They've had fears. They had the whole gamut. Um, they, they've made some very bad choices. Um, you know, they've loved, they've lost, they're, they're flawed. And um, it was one of those moments where I was like, Oh my God, we're, we're virtually identical. We're virtually identical. Like the the only difference is we're born to different worlds. That's it. Like, but we're the same thing. We're the same stuff, right? Um, and that's when it kind of like lit a fire under my ass. For, so, sorry for the pun. That's what we're learning to show here. We can say those words, right? We can say them, right? I'm the I'm the owner and the producer, so there's nobody talking to my ear going, "What did she just say?" Believe that. Yes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> good. Good. Uh, fire her. Get rid of her. Cat. <laughs> but you know that I think that um, I think that's a, a good testament that people need to hear because I think we all do that. We all see, uh, and, and I've I've talked about this, uh, you know, prior on on my show that we all we all kind of tend to look uh, in a reverent state. As children, we do that with our parents, with the adults. Yes, and we do that with the heads of state or the city or the whatever. Uh, and then as you start to to get older, then they fail us because we realize they're just human like we are. And you know what I mean? So we see them as human. And I, and I don't mean failing in a bad way, but we start to realize, oh, they don't know the answer to everything. No one does. So then when we look beyond ourselves, we have been taught, well, you have to reverence that as a God and the, and that the only person you could have contact with out there would be, you know, Jesus or the, his father, uh, you know, the one and the one knows everything. So when you're speaking to someone or communicating in any way, you immediately have that fear. And that's a good that's a good testament of what you said, because all of us should pay attention greatly to, to that evolution that you just talked us through. Because you then they showed themselves to you and you realized, wow, the difference is technology. I'm on a different planet than them, but otherwise spiritually we're almost the same we go through the same problems and i think that's very I'm, I'm really glad that you told that part of that story because i think people need to hear that to understand you know what we're doing and 
and where we're going and that there are people that are trying to help us that aren't from here, but that doesn't mean that it's scary. There was a time when Americans didn't know what the Japanese people looked like and the Japanese people had never seen an African person. So, you know, but now, so they were alien. And now the world is so much smaller that they're not. And we're just now, we talked about this with Paul. We talked about this with Stephen and Evan. And you and I are talking about this. We're on the pre precipice of beginnings of a new reality. And, and we have to understand it's okay because it's just like us here. It's just in a new place or a new time or a new existence. Am I right? Yes. Well, it, it's it's um, it's just being able to be more flexible with with um, um, with uh, perceptions. It's just like a, what what they're doing is that they're already they they've they've already, if you will, they've already put their best foot forward as best as they could anyway. Um, um, but it's they're now waiting for us to put to to put in the effort too. Like as if you, it's it's so with <clears throat> with Mesworth, everything was a two way street. Um, you know, if I wanted to know something, I had to put in the effort to actually, you know, like anything, any knowledge that he, that I wanted him to give me, I had to put in the effort to ensure that that is what I wanted. Like, you know, I had to have certain um, groundwork set in, you know, to show him that he, that whatever he says is not going to be just gone, like, you know, wasted to the ether. So with the way they, with the way they do things, it's, um, if it, their, their behavior is, if you want us to come to you, uh, you're gonna have to meet us halfway. You know, we'll we'll come to you um, one step forward, but you're gonna have to put your foot forward as well, because it's not like they're not just gonna be like, "Hey guys, how's it going?" and then just you know, like come in and then they just like, "Oh hey," how? like you know, just start waving their hands in front of everybody's faces and be like, "What's up?" I mean, some of them will because some of them are crazy like that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know a few. <laughs> uh, but it's just. Um, the, the, the the just the, the order the social structure involved to um to act to 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 contact a a a, a world such as this like such as ours so that are, they're still quite restrictive and limited and um um just 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 struggling internally so yeah there there's a lot of uh there's a lot of things that they that they they know they have a better idea of what to do but the angle that they're trying to get like you know get to us is uh actually having people like myself and um you know other contactees and other star people and what have you coming in and being like hey they're actually pretty all right you know like you should let them in <laughs> um that, right. i mean yeah so it's it's just it's it's interesting because um it, you know the whole like you know reverence oh they're like you know they're beyond vanity that beyond vanity <laughs> what right. You should see some of the outfits. Right. <laughs> My lord. Oh, vanity. Unbelievable. Some are. Some are definitely not. Um, you know, and it just, it's, just, it's just a different way of life. It's just a different way of existence and different thinking, but equal. You know, yeah. um, you know, because there, there is a, there is a, there is an interest with Earth as well. Like on, like on a more of a civilian, personal scale, they're like, oh yeah, Earth, what's, what's, uh, what's happening over there? It's been a while. <laughs> uh, right. You know, there's a, a, you know, even a betting system. So I've heard. Um, so yeah, it's like, like, oh yeah, wait, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna, um, you know, do, do, uh, for, well, official first contact. Um, in this year no 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 they're gonna do it this year they're, they're gonna do it next year oh it's gonna it's gonna be a disaster they're never gonna have it so it's kind of like thanks guys much appreciated you know well, like, thanks, we're kind of like that here as well 
where people are talking about, you know, when are they going to have you know, full disclosure? And I tell people, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the skeptic. I'm like, there's never going to be full disclosure because the only way you're going to get it is you're going to have to find it yourself. You're right. going to have to go within. Full disclosure is within you, within each of us. So exactly. you just keep sitting back and saying they're going to roll it out on this date or that date. That, again, is us looking for a savior from without. And the whole purpose of this, this exercise is for us to learn to look within. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's about, yeah, that, that is, that is, that, that is basically everything that they are that, that they, they're like, Oh, you, if you want something, you're going to have to put in the effort to do it. Like, we'll just be the support staff. We'll just nudge you in the right direction. We'll stop you from falling off a cliff. But if you crash into several trees, that's not our problem. You okay. know? <laughs> so it's, yeah, that, we're not that, that. We're going to let you get hurt a little bit, but we're going to, right. but we'll be here to pick you back up, brush mm -hmm. you off like a good adult, like a good parent. <laughs> And get you back out there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's and that's and it's it's look, the lessons can be very brutal. And like somebody, all right, um, it, it's it's somebody who who has gone through extreme um stresses, especially in the in, the, in recent months, um, where you feel like the, your life has crashed down in on you. You've you've, you've it's a, it's basically a kind of a, a neuro implosion almost. Right. Um, where it's extreme pressures, uh, where you think it's you've you've you want to give up. Um, that is something that it, it it they are they are hard lessons. But when you come out of it, yeah. man, you feel like you're you're tough, like you're made out of something. You you know you you've been forged through something tough. Like you you're made of something tougher now. If you can survive that, um, and. <clears throat> That's that's also and that's a good time for when like you know Meredith sort of pops in and he's just like hey well you know if you didn't experience this and how, how how can you have this value for this other thing that you now have how can you appreciate this thing that you have now and um, I've you know as I, and it, it's 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 nuts because in my early years I had this almost when I accepted my contacts it was there was almost this sort of an air of like, oh, there, I can talk to them whenever I want. You know, I can, I can have conversations whenever I can just go, you know, actually see them whenever I want. Yeah. I took them for granted. And then it wasn't until some years down the line as I was getting older that, that, that those uh, moments were getting fewer and fewer because, you know, they had other things going on or, you know, like I, I was too bound, shall we say, here in, in the in the corporeal, um, the relative corporeal, where um, you know I was too busy with my life, you know, worrying about this like micro things, and well, I actions that distract us. If we allow them to, then we get yeah. caught up in them, right? And that's what happens. Exactly, you get caught up in them, and it happens to every one of us. It doesn't matter who it is. So for the, those of you listening, exactly. know that we're human too. Leah, me. Paul, Stephen, and Evan, we all go through the same cycles of getting distracted sometimes, doubting sometimes through our lives. And that's the that's what we're speaking to and about is that's the experiences right. that we've had above those and working through that stuff. And Leah just now uh, pointed that out. I'm glad that you did because that shows um, her vulnerability. And I'm not afraid to admit my own. That's why I uh, jumped in right here. And you had Stephen mm -hmm. and Evan talk about it, including Paul earlier. So we're, we're not too proudful to say, yeah, I hit rock bottom before that. I had that dark night of the soul, but yeah. I realized I'm a survivor, not a victim. Just That's like right. said. And since she came through that and realized that now she's so much stronger for mm -hmm. having that happen. It was bad at the time, man. And they're hard, 
But when it does happen, you come through the other side. It's jar darkest just before the dawn. There's there's a reason for these parables. There's a reason for these these phrases that we use, right? And we come out the other side and we're a lot stronger uh, than we were before going through it. And you actually had channeling information where dude said that to you. <laughs> Look right. how sure you are now for what you went through. You couldn't have done this and would not have appreciated what is happening to you now had you not had that happen to you in your past right yes exactly exactly it's like it's um oh look if if um my contacts have never been the types of, of don't ever don't ever get too comfortable around them don't ever get too comfortable because they're going to throw a curveball at you and man it's going to hurt if you're not ready for it so um it's it's con it's constant change it's constant adaptation it's constant trying to um get better because um yeah i mean look as i said sometimes i i mentioned before how i can be how measured i'm not not saying all of them just i'm gonna go with Mezov uh, because he he's a bit more you know he He's a, he's a tough cookie. Um, he can be a little bit of a sadist, but it's not sadism in, in its obvious pure sense, but he, he, he does just lets things happen. He just lets things occur. And he, and he waits at the very end of like, when, once I've had my moment, um, it was like, well, what, what did you, what, what happened? You know, how, how, what did you learn from this? How did you, what are you, when are you going to do it from now on? You know, just that sort of questioning, you know, like almost, um, the, and there's no, I mean, there's no real right or wrong, but at the same time, it's kind of like you, you've got to actually have the ability to be introspective. You, sh you have to have the ability to understand and assess as a third person because you're. it's ironic that every life that we live, we kind of have to have almost a third person perspective of whatever happens because um, we get to, you know, the that that allows us that allow that facilitates growth. And if we get too involved in our own stuff, um, which strangely it's so it's just the, the the it's so odd isn't it like if we get too involved we get stunted if we if we move away that's when we grow and it's like what right, who came up with that i know <laughs> i'm trying to figure it out i have no idea either i agree with you because i mean it, it's always it's almost like it's the opposite of of what it is but we know that it can't be that so we're trying to still figure that out too and you know it's funny as you said that uh, he sounds like my father. My father always was that way with me. I, if I did something, I'd go, okay, so what did you learn from that? Did you, what happened? Right. He always wanted to know what happened. How did you get hurt? Okay. So what did, did you learn anything from that? Are you dying? No. Okay. Let me see. Are you bleeding? Okay. Get that out of the way. And then he would wipe off my head, you know, pat me off. Okay. So what did you learn from this? What do you take away from that? And, and you were getting the same advice. And that, you know, isn't that weird that, that some people do that, but we have to have that. Because that was the same thing, like you just said. That was the third-person perspective. Um, so in some ways, we have to detach ourselves from this avatar. And we have to become, I think, more present in the now, right? In the here, in the now. Because then you become uh, basically the third person. Because I'm no longer my experiences mm -hmm. of this avatar. I am now this soul. Mm -hmm. That's right. been seeing this and perceiving what's going on. So maybe I'm wrong there, but that's but that's kind of my take uh, is is that that the, the teachings are kind of it's up to us to again look inward, find ourselves, pick ourselves up our on our own, dust ourselves off, kiss the boo-boo, and then learn from all of that. But we have to have that third person perspective of I'm outside of all this witnessing it. Am I wrong there? 
No, I, I, you're absolutely right. And I mean, <clears throat> and it's interesting, like, and there's something I wanted to point out really quick as well, which I've actually come to come to learn um, in, in recent weeks and, and months. So this is something of a bit of a new revelation. Um, but it, it's it, it, when when it comes to having when it comes to advice or when it comes to having when, when it comes to gaining wisdom or any kind of high high insights right when you're having um when you're when you're in a peaceful place where you're in a balanced situation when you're happy when you're content um doubt it because it's not something like that because you're already good then you know you already accepted information you're something you already know that's something you already i already know this I already, and i'm doing such a wonderful job look look how look how uh, happy i am look how content i am um when it comes to hearing um, uh, the these sort of really really important um, um, advice from from people who are already in this sort of place, it's like yeah, you know that they obviously have it. To, you know, you can look at them and like oh yeah, they obviously have it together. But what I've learned is that getting that advice and and or at least trying to remember that advice when you're in your worst moments, when you're in your dark night of the soul, when you're having when you, as I said, when you feel like your life is crashing in on you, um, or or hear hearing this advice from somebody who who is also struggling just as much as you are, um, it's actually one of the most um, that that's when it's most important. Like you know, because you, you don't need to hear it when you're in a balanced um, place, when you're in a happy place. You need to hear it when when you feel like you're on the verge of death. And when right. you're in your absolute moments of desperation, um, so yeah, um, I've, I've that was kind of my little click. I'm, I'm still. I'm, I apologize if I'm not really articulating it cl um, clearly because it's just sort of like a new thing. That's sort of like you know. Um, no, no, no. I apologize for that. That's a, that's right. a great thing to 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 uh, realize. Mm. Right, that's yeah. a great thing to yeah. know. People need to know that sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes we doubt ourselves. Sometimes we think that. Well, if I'm thinking it, it can't be something that's spectacularly large because other people would have already thought of it and they'd already be doing it. That's not right. necessarily the truth. That's mm -hmm. not necessarily the truth. I think that, you know, that uh, there's still many, 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 I, I hope, many things that we all don't know yet that people are going to discover. And who knows? And it's not wrong that you may be one of those people that discover those things. And right. the problem I think we have is ourselves. We doubt ourselves. I can't be somebody who's coming up with something cool because other people would have already thought of it, but that's not true. It's just not. Yeah. That <laughs> doubt, that self-denial, that yeah. whole sort of like, oh, well, you know, that, that, that there's a sort of like immediate throwaway of like, oh, you know, I mean, yeah, there's, yeah, if I, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, like we're always sort of taught like that, that we're always taught to be, to be humble and to, you know, always um, put, push ourselves down. And, but it, it's like, well, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, humility is an incredibly important part of existence. And, and that is something that I, I regularly, by the way, uh, full disclosure, I regularly struggle with humility as a, as a contactee because you kind of get this big headedness uh, after a minute. Right. You're like, well, so it's like, what did you do on the weekend? They're like, oh, well, um, I went to, you know, Mount Everest and, you know, I swam with some um, crocodiles and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Well, have you been to another planet? That's what I did this weekend. So it's like, you know, you get a little bit in you, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's something that, yeah, you, you, you've got to you've got to like kind of 
That's Don't worry, life will slap you back to replace yeah, exactly. <laughs> that self-governance needs to be applied there, and if it doesn't, the universe does it for us, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or our guards or, or, you know, somebody slaps us back. Look, let me pop that bubble and bring you back down. Here, look around. Here's all your friends. We're all right here, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. it's so, like, uh, so humility is a, is a good way to approach that because if you don't, then you're not embarrassed because when you don't, when you're not humble, and you and you get a, a piece of that embarrassed pie or a humble pie, uh, then you go, yeah. oh damn, that just happened in, in right. public. <laughs> <laughs> Darn it, I deserve this. Yeah. Oh my God, the amount of times. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a, it's that it's that humility. Like we we I feel like we have like our our senses of humility are a little bit skewed, and in the in the way of um we when we when we have these sort of really deep um uh emotional and spiritual realizations we kind of like assume like oh it's already been done like five thousand times before so we don't even bother really you know uh diving further into that a lot a lot of us do anyway um because it's already been done before it's already been discussed before what can i possibly bring new to the conversation which um is completely not true because as i said there, there's, there's, there's billions of different realities, you know, as, as I said, it's just through one pair of eyes. You got, you know, it, of course, there's always a new um, perspective, but we're, but we're humble. Uh, so, but we're not, but we're not humble in other ways that we should be, you know, like, you know, talking about how, how uh, value, valuing, sorry, valuing different lives, you know, different, sorry, valuing lives differently. Like this whole, yeah. whole like, well, I'm more important because of my status than this person for instance which right. is right. bullshit you know yeah um but yeah that's that's, that's why yeah. i think that's conditioning social conditioning really where you have the yeah. system that's been set up in every aspect of our lives to where you know your role right we yes. all have a certain role or a certain station don't speak above your station and that's what we're trained right mm -hmm. and so that residually is what we have to get over unfortunately they pack that or it's like they're packing the ego they're packing yes. the deck with the knowing that the ego will run with that. And then we uh, then are almost afraid to say, like you said, we're either going, well, everyone already has to already know this because if I'm coming up with this, we're, we're in trouble because they, everybody's smarter than me because that's what I've been told, right? <laughs> right? But, yeah. but you're absolutely right. We're all individuals. So we're all going to have a different perspective on the same thing. But, but in the same sense, we all end up coming to the same conclusion as right. well. So isn't that something strange to think about how you and I are completely different people and I, and, and you know, we never met, but yet here we are and we're talking about the same thing. Awesome. Paul was here and Stephen and Evan and all of us have the same knowledge that we've gained. Well, you know, yeah. we don't have all the same, right? I mean, look at Paul and his, and his memory. People say, I have a good memory. Woo. Man, that guy can recall everything, right? So, and, and you know, like Stephen said, that's when you talk to him, you're just it, it, you, wow, right? So, but yet yeah, we've all come to the same page, at you know, and here we are. So, I think maybe I'm wrong in that. I think that we're, everybody's in this, everyone is equal, and everybody is a necessity in mm -hmm. this, in this act that we're playing, yeah. about, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's well, it takes a world to change a world. You know, it's not just a single um, person or even a handful of people, whether it be human or otherwise, um, to, to make a change because it, it, it doesn't like, um, <clears throat> yeah, everybody, everybody, ha like it, it's this, this is really, and I, I know we've, we've covered this, but there's this, this really bad kind of attitude here, like of, of mainstreamers, where it's like this 
sense of apathy and hopelessness, this sort of sense of like this sort of very narrow, um, selfish, may I argue, even uh, perception of like, oh, well, um, what can me as one person possibly do to sway the billion? You know, it's like, Right, you're thinking it in the wrong. You're thinking that's a that's a of course that's a that's a stupid. No offense, that's a stupid perspective. Like that's dumb. Like that's flat out dumb because it takes like it's 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 one person um standing up, which will inevitably follow more people to stand up and actually start making changes to start making proactive, healthy um uh, changes for for not just. For the benefit of themselves, but also for the future as a whole, for the rest of uh, the rest of the whole. You okay? There's always going to be the few who are just never going to care, who are just yeah. never going to care, and it's never just it's never going to matter. But in a way, in a way, it's kind of um, <clears throat> this is. It, it's sorry, I, I, if I if I'm jumping around a lot, I apologize. But it is almost no, you're doing just like, <laughs> cool. if if there are uh, there there's a there's an inherent <clears throat> value of people who are just going to be objectively uh, just just careless and heartless and almost monstrous um, with just their attitudes and how they sort of like go around. But we need, unfortunately, we need people like that in the world to kind of keep us balanced, to keep us steady, to, to remind us what, um, what, what our, what, what we really value, because can you imagine what would happen? Like, honestly, really, really think about it if we somehow got rid of like all these terrible things about like, you know, we got rid of war, we got rid of the soul, we got rid of violence, we got rid of the whole, like we got rid of abuse. We just, everything got wiped clean. Never, and no one ever had to experience that kind of pressure or that pain or that, or that, that suffering. What kind of people would, would, would we be right. after a while? We wouldn't be like, you know, if, and, and if we, and just because we got rid of it here, does that mean we got rid of it somewhere else? Like it doesn't mean that the universe is wiped over there, does it? Right. So having this sort of like having having people like this in the world, they do have value as well. I'm sorry, but they have value. Agreed. Um, Agreed. They, yeah, they kind so of without like without the man, without the without them being that way, without people yes. being evil, without people being self centered, without yeah. all of that, there would be nothing to motivate you and I or anyone for that right. matter to do anything. Right. Everybody would just kind of sit down. And we would all kind of go, well, hey, you know, we'll get there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. Well, I agree. That's right. It's and it's yeah. it's that, and this is something that I have to kind of like. I, f I feel a little bit surprised. I have to explain this with, with, with some people. It's just like, oh well, if you know, if you oh to better, to make a better world, we'll have to get rid of it, all these types of people. I'm like, well, where does and that's also nothing. Where does it stop? Right. Where does it stop? Like once you start declaring on oh, these types of people. What 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 about well um you know type A has to go but also type B is kind of a bit you know we should get rid of them too just in case so we so it's like what what, well, what, what are you freaking doing yeah. it won't stop and eventually yeah. this, the cancel culture that's going on I don't know about you guys out there but over here in the United States is really bad uh, and yeah. the and the cancel culture is you know where does it stop eventually you're gonna cancel they're gonna cancel themselves there's gonna be no there's gonna be nothing but a void here if they yes. continue if we continue down that road and cancel everything. So I agree with you 100. percent So uh, let's get let's get in a little bit about now. I know I haven't I I should have but I didn't because we're, we're this is really more about the conferences. Uh, but I would like to to uh, interview you more on on the subject and get more into details about your channeling uh, sure. and 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 go down that road. Um, uh, however, with that said, 
Um, I'm sure that when you're going to be speaking uh, at the, the, the thing, you're going to get into more details of that. So I want to bring up on the screen uh, for everybody yeah. to see the, the um, banners here that we have for so to be covering you. I apologize for covering you. Um, but guys, <laughs> here's, the, here's the newest. This is the one that's coming up. Chapter 11 uh, is coming up on the 26th of June, 4 p.m. Los Angeles time. Uh, for those of you on the MP3 broadcast, you can't read this, so I'll read it to you. This is a banner for Our Alien Ancestry, Old mm -hmm. Ways for New Days, Chapter mm -hmm. 11, Online Conference. Okay, and Stephen and Evan Strong, you heard them uh, speak. They were here. Paul Wallace was here. You heard him speak. Uh, and But what you don't see is that there's a special guest, uh, Sarah and Austin, and I don't know how to say their last name. Maybe you do. <laughs> I don't want to mess up that last name. Uh I'm not confident enough to say yeah. that. <laughs> no, I don't know how to say that name. I apologize. Um, right. Un Uncle Alan Parsons will also be uh, there speaking. And the host and speaker is Leah. So she's going to be hosting and speaking. Go ahead. Right. So uh, this is so for those of you on the MP3 uh, file, we'll continue with the time zones here. I'll start over the 26th of June, 4 p.m. Los Angeles time, 7 p.m. New York time, the 27th of June, 7 a.m. Perth time and 9 a.m. Melbourne time. And your tickets uh, I have put into the to the chat uh, where you go to get the tickets, but it's online right here for you guys to see our alien ancestry dot net uh, 26 Australian dollars uh, to get you into that event. And then they have, after that, they have more events. Let me click on the screen here and see if this is 12. Then they have the uh, 12, or is it going the other way around? The the date is uh, July. Yes, I apologize. Yes. I, don't know. It's I had to look on the, on the big screen here. So our alien ancestry uh, mounds and, and uh, monuments, chapter 12 online conference comes in July on the 24th. And this is in Los Angeles. Uh, so it's in America time. It's the July uh, uh, 24th, which is 7 p.m. New York time, the 25th of July for all Australians, 7 a.m. Perth time, 9 a.m. Melbourne time, 26 uh, uh, Australian dollars for that event. So, guys, they have this, this ongoing and continuing. So you get a little flavor in today's uh, 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 talkings here of of three of the speakers that are going to be, well, Stephen and Evan count, you know, two, but I'm counting them as one. So four uh, other speakers. Uh, and I see that, that Ildi will be there. Ildi um, Budai, I think is how you say your name, right? Yes, that? yes, that's right. Budai, Budai. I, she, I used to, she used to correct me on that, right? <laughs> so, and, and Leah's gonna be, uh, uh, gonna be speaking there or being the host there. I'll end speaker again. So don't miss that stuff, guys. Up on your screen, those of you who are on the MP3 broadcast, I will put this in the description uh, so that you guys have uh, the the uh, where to go to get these tickets to see these guys uh, and hear what they have to say. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. Do you want to go into details a little bit more about um, what you're going to be doing at these two events? Uh, you'll give them a little tidbit. Uh, <laughs> we'll see if they go to pay for this event. Uh, and then let's talk about and then tell people where they can find you, your stuff, if you have a website, a page, and stuff. But first, give these people the exclusive, what's up and coming, uh, what kind of juiciness can you tell them without revealing anything about Juiciness? It? Right? Uh, I, 
I'm gonna, well, I, I'll, I'll be real with you, mate. I, I, I'm kind of relying on Mesmer for this one because like he's the one who's gonna be, gonna be, he's gonna be like whispering in my ear, like, oh yeah, say this and then say this. Nothing yeah. embarrassing like last time. We don't want that to happen any, you know, again. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it, so basically, like this is a structure that we haven't really quite done before. So, um, in regards to like my speaking, because I've, I've I've spoken like a handful of times um, with our previous with our pre with, in previous events, and um, but we've never actually had like a sort of like a question, like a, a yeah Q and A um, set up like this before that um, Steve had already mentioned um, just, just yeah. earlier was saying yeah. So he's going to write up a bunch of questions, and um, you know, like I'm I'm going to have to wait for Mesut to actually just you know um, ask them. I don't think <clears throat> I don't I I mean I, I I'm kind of hoping that I get those questions before the live, of course, because I kind of want to be like I have to call him first, you know, be like hey hey you around, <laughs> um, okay. but. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's but yeah, like I'll 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 basically try to like relay everything I can on on him because I've never really spoken on Mesut's behalf before. Like I've, like not not in any like events, no no conferences, nothing. It was always sort of just you know like whatever as you know whatever he says, I just sort of he pops in and you know you know spews something out. But um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting how well, it's going to be. I believe, I believe that uh, you shouldn't worry. And this is just my opinion, but but I'm I'm getting I'm getting now from the universe to to let you know because you're you kind of have a little bit of anxiety there. Uh, I'd oh like yeah, to, I will make sure he's going to show. He'll show because this is something that's important that's being put on. It transcends all dimensions. So he's going to yeah. be here exactly where he's supposed to, and he's going to give you exactly what he's supposed to give you. And so don't worry about saying I have to contact him first and make sure he's going to show. He's going to, he's already knows about it. Yeah. If you know about it, he knows about it. He's going to be there. You're going to be just fine. Yeah. I just, it's just, he can be so me. The more you describe him, the more I think this is my father that you're talking about because his personality was the same. He would sit back and let you crash into that wall knowing you were going to do it and he could have stopped you but he's uh yeah he's gonna have to learn not to hit his head on that wall again so <laughs> let him do it when he comes over, what did you do that for why did you you knew that last time that hurt but you did it again why what were you trying to learn from this and what did you learn and then off i went again he would pick me back up wouldn't give me the answers but he would give me the you you have to figure it out yourself and now move on right <laughs> so, oh, so i get that that's why i'm like my god she's living with my father in her head yeah <laughs> oh you know you know it'd be it'd be like you're just like okay so what what uh, can you give us a scoop what's gonna happen like you know, look i it could be me it could be me just like you know just like just talking and like you know just like it's basically like a stream coming out like that it, it could be that or it could be just me standing staring in, you know, in front of the camera like right I don't know what's going to happen. So like right. that, that's, it'll be, it'll that's one of my favorite parts. I'll use the analogy from, uh, from uh, um, Lord of the Rings when Gandalf first shows up and, and uh, what's his name says to him, Gandalf, he says, you are late. And he says, a wizard arrives exactly precisely when he is supposed to. Mm. Right. And so I trust that in the universe that that whatever is going to be is going to happen, whether I want it to or not. And when you're live, you never know how it's going to go. So but it, everything's going to happen the way it's supposed to happen in its own time. Right. So 
uh, you know, so that, that's uh, that's my take on that. It, you know, give or take whatever you want from that. Um, so, okay, let's get into because we're because we're now over, but we, we started late. So we still have about I think ten minutes for you uh, here because I want to make sure everybody got their full hour and we went over with everybody, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, as a producer, there's no hard there's no hard stops here. We have no hard breaks, uh, right? Since I'm the owner and producer, there's no hard breaks. I can go on hey, hey, hey. if I want to. Okay, you so. Can talk about it. Yeah, it's my show. I can go on as long as I want. <clears throat> okay. Exactly. 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 So, but now let's get into in, let's get into Leah. Now, tell everybody where they can find you and 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 uh, your stuff. And and like, I'm sure I don't know for certain, but I'm sure that you have a bookings uh, that people can book you as well, right? To do this stuff. And if not, you might want to think about that for the future. Just hint. To book you to do these events where you're going to come oh. to the channel for people. Yeah. Yeah, and if you haven't thought about that, that's a little bit of monetary uh, in your future if you think about having people book you uh, mm -hmm. to do shows, right? That's true. It's true. I, I do throw together some pretty splendid online events, if I don't mind, uh, if you don't mind me saying so. But um, yeah, well, you can find me at Stan Obviouslyer um, on Facebook as well as Instagram. I'm on TikTok as well. Um, you know, I just, you know, it, it's it's I'm, I'm up I'm up with all the um, I'm up to date. I'm up to date. I know what's going on. You know, so, <laughs> TikTok is the future. I'm afraid, guys. Um, no, yeah, I don't have a TikTok yet, but everybody keeps telling me TikTok, brother, TikTok. <laughs> I didn't want to for years because it's it's a stupid name. I didn't want I. I said no based on the name. Okay, I did judge a book by its cover, I will admit. Yeah. But the name was very dumb. TikTok, excuse me. Like, right. right. Like, well, it, it's not like a tab, it's not like a like a time counting device, is it? It's not like an app or right. anyway. That's always, yeah. I always something rude because that's always something that you say to somebody. All right, look, let's go. We're running late. Time's a ticking. Come on, TikTok. Exactly. Right. I, I hurry up. It's like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what you yeah. want. So I kind of got the wrong idea about it myself because I was like, well, that's rude. TikTok, come on, hurry. I know, but it's actually Talking a lot of fun. Like, but it it really is actually quite a bit of fun. Like I, you know, like after after like you know familiarizing yourself. But yeah, anyway, I'm I'm on it. I have videos. Um, you know, you, you I, I sometimes do small little rants on there. I talk about things, just whatever, like you know, whatever whatever enters this mad mind um uh, in, in any given moment. Um. So yeah, just like I'm just promoting, um, obviously conference there as well, our alien ancestry, just so you know, just just trying to get as much of like a wide depth and breadth as possible. So, yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 a bit everywhere, but um, I I also am a I don't know if you I don't know like I don't know again I don't mean to brag, but <clears throat> I'm also an author. I do books. So, so if <laughs> I did books, uh, I I did well. I well I say what I say. I did books. I did one book, <laughs> but. In all honesty, it was a very large book, and it was, you know, there we go. That was me. It's my first. It's my first one. It's my my first yeah. born. Shall we yeah, say that is a big book. It, it, yeah, it's five hundred yeah. pages, mate. You know, so right, right. Um, four years to produce. Yes, I labored for four years, but um, yeah. So our uh, soul remembers. This is actually a recount, a recollection of my previous lives. My uh, my uh, previous recount. So um, I also remember my past lives on top of being a contactee. I know, I know it's a, it's a bit of a double whammy, but it's, that's it's, another it's, whole show. I'm going to have to have you on for, right? <laughs> I look forward to it. I want, I want all of this. So yeah, this is just my, um, so just, this is kind of like a, like a, uh, pre like an introduction to me if you will right. this book's an introduction to who i am in the in the now in many ways um so i remember three different lives three different incarnations plot twist you know I love plot twist. what's the title of what's the title of that book 
Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, a soul remembers. So uh, I want to make sure we said that because this will be broadcast on MP3 file. Oh. We won't have the visuals. So, oh, right. Yeah. A, yeah. A, 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 sorry, I, I kind of slow my words a bit. A soul remembers. That's the a word. Soul remembers, guys. That's okay. right. That's me. Yeah. Yes, that's it. That's it. And, um, you know, and since this is a book about, it's my favorite joke, by the way. This is something I, I thought about myself. Um, since this is a book about reincarnation, the main character dies. The main character dies. Oh, Lord, good. Many times, right? Because you're over and over again because it's about <laughs> right? I love it. <laughs> love right? People are dying to get out of this book, right? <laughs> yeah, well, people. Uh, oh, it's you know, people absolutely die yeah, to get to get to it. Um, it's great. Right. Oh my god, like, we can. We're gonna be here well, for hours. I'm, I'm not gonna. I was gonna ask approximately. Maybe I shouldn't ask that so people buy the book. Um, but but there's there's multiple lifetimes you cover in that, correct? That's right. That's three. That's three. Um, three. Yes, there's three. There's three in here. Um, I know, like if you like for people who who will be listening to this through the headphones, um, but there are three images of sorry, uh, sorry. There's there's uh, depictions of three different animals. You have the hawk, the tiger, and the cobra, uh, which are of course representatives to the different lives there, and they're all kind of like fighting each other because it's my life is conflict and turmoil. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it, it it'll make sense. Trust me. So um, yeah. yeah, have a read of it. Tell me what you think. Tell me yeah. It just yeah. so yeah. Have a, have a, you know, you can find it on Amazon. It's true. You can even find it on my website. You can check it out on there. But I also have a show. What's your website page. again? Oh, my website was uh, Star Novoselia. Start, uh, uh, see, the thing is, uh, you know what? Forget about the website. Just get go through my Facebook. Just, just, just right, go, go through Facebook. Uh, on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's what I tell people, right? Because I've, I've also written books. I always tell Google me or, or go to Amazon and look me up. You'll find my stuff there. My books are there. Exactly. Or, or exactly. any place online. I even found one in a used bookstore. Somebody read it and then turned it in. I was like, okay, well, at least you didn't throw it away. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> at least exactly. now someone else is going to get it cheaper. I'm okay with that. It's also on Kindle, right? I always tell people that, uh, you know, so, so so they can they can look at it. But the important thing is it's out there in the ether for people to right. talk about that with Paul uh, yes. earlier. The, the stuff that we put out, we put it out there. <clears throat> it's there for people. It's esoteric. It's there for people to find. If it resonates with them, uh, then good. Then that means we've done our job. You said earlier, you know, you, you think it's at some point, what's this all worth? Uh, you know, if it, if it, if it's all uh, doesn't mean anything, why are we doing it? Well, we would have found that out if it wasn't worth anything and we all would have stopped since we didn't, even if we're not sure we instinctively know that what we're doing is not just for ourselves, but, as long as the internet exists, as long as as books are are written, our books and our internet and our videos and our webinars are going to be out there for people to find, and they'll find it when they're supposed to, uh, and then they'll learn from it or 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 not. But you know, even if we help one person, we've done our job; we replaced ourselves. So if we help two people, it's a bonus. Anything after that is just a complete bonus uh, in and of itself. Right? That's right. Absolutely. I mean. In a way, like I mean, I mean, talking interesting. We're talking about reincarnation because the soul is immortal. It's, it's an, an indestructible essence. Um, right. But um, you know, when it when it comes to our lives, uh, the memories, uh, um, pe people people here um, who who would. Um, it's interesting. Like even though I'm not, I don't fear death. 
Um, I still have a fear of like, I didn't want my time. I don't fear my death, but I do fear my time being wasted here. And um, that is a way um, in, for me to remedy this is through my books, is through my work, is through my, um, is through actually being able to communicate my experiences in this life um, through through various media, because um, I don't, you know, it's, it's a way of immortalizing Leah as opposed to, you know, right. like, I mean, yeah, it's it's just it's just it's just a way of doing that um, before before I you know um, piss off into another into another um, existence. So um, you know, look, it, it's it's when it comes to, like there is a level of tragedy when it comes to past lives. Like if you start really remembering them, um, they've never they're not gone. They still live there within you, but at yeah. the same time, those are the, that's that life. You can't go back there again. It they'll right. never be it'll never be that person again. Well, it's um, finished. You already you already did that. It's finished. It's finished. Yeah, right. Yeah. So now it's always on to the next new uh incarnation exactly. with the next new experiences. They can't right. be the same ones that you did before because mm -hmm. that, that's just not how it works. Because you'll come through as a different, completely different person. Even if you're going through the same motions, it'll still never be the same. You can't go back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It'll be a slight it's all it's like, yeah, you know, when you're watching, you know, like an adaptation, it's like there's always a slight difference in which time yeah. it's the same old thing, but it's uh, it's a slight different well, slightly different. That's like somebody yeah. just sings someone else's song. Uh, they either try to mimic them and you go, that's the same old song or they make yeah. it their own and you go, Oh, see, yeah. that's a little different. And that's mm -hmm. the way it is. And it has to be that way for, uh, for, you know, because there's supposed to be infinite experiences and we're all experiencing that. And, and so we're, we need everything to be infinite. So it has to be continuously slightly different, even if it's only a one little minute thing, like you just said, uh, it, that in and of itself is a new creation. It's a new twist right. on, on that reality. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, yeah, there, there's, there's a, yeah. So just appreciate it while you have it, you know, um, you know, appreciate what you appreciate what you have because um, you'll, you know, it'll, it'll, it, it is, it is finite in this instance, you know, when it comes to life. And that's something that Mesut has, and, I, and I've talked about at length many times um, about like the briefness of life. And of course, like every, 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 all life is, different in the sense of like you know to expectation of time and uh sorry sorry um a lot, lot like different longevity and all that and whereas yeah. with, with Mezoth in particular his his um and his his group are very can are very long lived and very very long lived um all I, like a long long time anyway um and i often kind of like complained about like oh how is it you know like you got you know you've you've achieved so much you've you've ascent you've you've gotten to so many uh higher higher places and higher grounds and um through your ex extremely long life and i'm barely i'm barely at this time you know you know barely a couple decades and you know, just just struggling, and I only have like a handful of decades left. And uh, he said, "Don't worry, you know, life life is a life is a rarity. Life is a rarity. The amount of disembodied souls that are out there floating in the ether, they're all they're vying and fighting to get into a new form, to reincarnate. Um, you know, to count this as is a lucky you're you're one of the lucky ones. And having the briefest existence possible allows you to actually appreciate um, that life. In in um, yeah." in right? ways that we can't because you know it's it's actually it's a he, he describes it as a present he describes it as a as a gift and um i have to agree i agree now i agree now like i i think i'm the lucky one out of the two you know when it comes to like right. i get to die first <laughs> right but you know the truth is that it, it really is it's a it is a, a blessing 
uh, and that we don't realize, and sometimes we take that for granted. <clears throat> and for those of us who are, are vibrating, those of us, not me included in next time here in this vibration, <laughs> but those of us who are outside of this vibration, and I say us in the esoteric, uh, again, sense of the higher souls, or souls that are in a different place, different dimension than we are, um, time is different there compared to here, like you were saying. Uh, here in this three-dimensional reality, we have, it's, it's uh, it, you know, the past, present, and the future, it's linear. We have them separated. Uh, and the way I've been explained uh, to, uh, to understand that is just because our vibration moves so fast, we're closer to the speed of light than any other place. And that separates right. our time into past, present, and future because everything slows down. So we're moving faster than uh, other beings that are in higher planes. Their vibration is in a higher octave, but they're moving slower through space, time, or time, space, where we're in, locked in this one place where um, we can't even perceive the idea of past, present, and future happening all at once. And they have a hard time perceiving the ideology of how fast we move. So for them, the, when they try to calculate our time here, it's hard for them because that concept is alien to them now by hundreds of thousands, if not billions or trillions of years, right? Uh, if we're going to go into physics, I, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at the, it, yes, please. But I mean, <laughs> we're going to be here for another 10 days. Right. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, yeah. I'm physics. That's me. That's what, yeah, that's me. That's me right there. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, it's like, it's like oh, any, any single time if someone talks about different planes, like, you know, exoplanes and like the functionality of like, you know, the fundamental forces and how they operate in the, in the different dimensions of the universe. I'm like, hello. Right. <laughs> but easily, let's have a conversation. <laughs> Right? So we're going to have to have a show just on that and just run down that. Friends that I can only talk to them about this kind of stuff, right? Uh, once yeah. she called me the other day and she said, oh, I love talking to you because I can actually have a real conversation and right. what I'm saying. And yes, I was like, yes. oh, that's, that's, you're lucky that I do that too. It's, it's like you're having an adult conversation, uh, you know, in, in some sense compared to uh, everything else because you're literally, I had, I was speaking to her. And I, and I was on a, a conference call with a bunch of people who were getting ready to do a webinar. And, and one of the, one of the um, producer's mother, who she also takes care of her mother like I do, uh, came walking by and asked if her and I were speaking a foreign language because she couldn't understand any words that we were saying. Are they speaking oh, wow. English? She said, yes, mother, they're speaking English. She goes, no, they're not. I don't understand what they're saying. And it was wow. because we had gotten to that point where our conversation had gotten, like you and I were about to go there with the physics part of it. Uh, then it gets to that point where if you don't understand these terms, you're not going to get what we're talking about. And it's not right. that it's yeah. fault. It's just that we're, we're talking on this, this plane of, yeah. of our knowledge that other people, you have to kind of stop yourself from doing. Otherwise people go, okay, that guy just lost me. He's a weird nerd or something. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's also another thing, like with the, with these abilities of the conversations and something I also like, I really want to, I really want to emphasize uh, something that's really important. Um, just because we, we, we discuss these sort of, um, uh, we have the ability at this stage to actually have these sort of discussions doesn't mean that we are, um, you know, like, you know, just pushing other people aside or, or, or like gatekeeping anybody who doesn't understand who haven't has a way. It's the opposite, right? Know? We're trying yeah, to get them into yeah, we want to introduce. Yeah, we and, and and I can appreciate completely why that's so intimidating because I was on the outskirts for uh, I was on the outskirts for a long time because I always wanted to sort of enjoy join these sort of conversations, yeah. but um, 
but it was so beyond me. I didn't understand what was going on. However, with Mesreth, as I said, like, you know, we've had these sort of conversations, he and I, and he's, he said, well, if you want to be part of it, you gotta, you've got to, you've got to do the studying for it. You got to understand what's going on. And so of course, as the years progressed, I asked the right questions. I, I got, I got to meeting the right people, learned the right things and eventually got to the point where, where I am now. But yeah, you know, by no means are we, you know, gatekeeping anybody or like, this isn't, you know, this is, this is, this is, this, it can sound very intimidating for the average person. And like, I appreciate that 110%, but, um, you know, these discussions have to be met, had to, had to, have to be made. That's it. So, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. I'm gonna put myself back up on the screen now. <laughs> right. Um, I, I, I didn't, people didn't need to see me the whole time. It was stupid. We're, we're talking about, but now, now we're getting down to me plugging me, right. I got to plug the, <laughs> go for it. Right. I got to, I got to plug the show here. So, uh, okay guys, you guys know, this is Orion rising. Those of you who are listening to this, you know, that this is Orion rising. I'm your host, Leonard O'Neill. Right. So I'll, I'll say what I always say. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Now, remember on Friday, I have the law of one. We're continuing with that. We're on session 105. So we only have two sessions left. And it's taken me almost three years to get through the all six books. So we will be um, uh, doing that on Friday. I don't know how far we'll get um, uh, coming up on the calendar on the 26th, the same day that these guys are doing theirs. But earlier in the day, I'm doing a, a webinar and that's starting at 10 a.m. Uh, uh, West Coast America time. There's their, uh, their uh, webinar starting at 4 p.m. Uh, America time. So you guys can catch both. Right? You can come. I'm putting on a free webinar uh, and it's going to be on June 26th. And that is my five year anniversary of Orion Rising's first broadcast. So we're having a little party and we're having we're putting together this webinar and it's called uh, Zero Point. And it's about zero point, not energy, but zero point spirituality becoming one. Right. And so I'm going to have I think I have eight speakers and we're going to be talking until we're done there. So we might overlap a little bit with with uh, the, the Stephen and Evans uh, thing. But, uh, you know, fear not. Mine's free and you can always go back and watch it later. So if you guys get to the point and you're listening into uh, our webinar, know that. You can go and catch Stephen and, and Evan and, and the, all the webinar Paul and, and Leah are on, and you guys can watch theirs and come back and finish watching mine the next day or the day after because it is, in fact, free, right? So I always try to say, if you're going to pay for something, go and watch that one. Take the free stuff whenever you want to. You don't have to be live for that, right, because it's free. Uh, so we also have uh, other shows up and coming. I won't get into that right now. We'll get into more of that on my time for my show, uh, uh, bugging you guys, right? So this has been Orion Rising, and I want to thank again Paul uh, Paul Wallace. I was going to say Paul Anthony Wallace because I always say his whole all three names. I always do that. Stephen and Evan Strong and Leah, and it's and it's Capitelli. Did I say that right? Yeah. Okay, thank you. So so guys, go and check out. I'm going to put this banner back up on the screen here for you to see again. Right? Oh, I'm in the wrong place here. Uh, let, me put this, let me put this up here for you guys to see, uh, right? So guys, go and, and take a look at this. It's not that expensive and the knowledge you're going to gain. We just went three hours talking about yeah. you know, individuals and this thing. But the what you guys are going to get from this conference is going to be completely different from what we've talked about here. Because we, what we were talking about here, what I was doing here was I was showing you who the people are that are going to be at the conference and a little bit of tidbits about the conference. So you guys need to go and see uh, and listen in to these conferences that they have, these workshops. And here's here's where you have both of them up on the screen. And they also have uh, workshops there for you to see, 
right? So you guys uh, go to the website. I put that in the chat, in both chats on Facebook and on YouTube. You guys have those up for you to see the link to go to get tickets to this event. Okay. And um, I would strongly suggest that you guys do, because if you listen to anything that was spoken tonight in, in or today, for those of you in Australia, because uh, it's morning there, it's nighttime here. Um, but so for those of you on the planet right now that are that have woken, I saw South Africa because I saw Peter popped in and I saw Ireland. So I know you guys are awake over there around the world. Right? I see you guys in Australia. I see you guys in South Africa. I see you guys in the UK. All you guys have been popping in. Uh, and seeing the show. So the world has woken up uh, and they, they saw tonight's performance, right? So take a look at that stuff, guys, right? And remember, share this out, share this out, share this out. I always say that at the beginning and I always say at the end, those of you who uh, found this for the very first time, welcome. There's my introduction to three brilliant minds for Stephen and Evan. I always kind of put them together as one because Stephen is, it's like Evan is the gar the guardian, of, of his father, right? I mean, when you look at that, it's like a weird esoteric thing, I know, but I see that he's the rock, he's the strength, he's the guardian, uh, and he's one that allows his father to do what he does. And then literally, he's the guy that does the computers and, and does all that for him. So in both senses, he's the he's his father's rock, and and he, but he's in his own right, brilliant, <laughs> right? So he doesn't speak as much, uh, but I've talked to him, you know, personally. So in his own right, he's brilliant. Uh, so everybody here tonight has been brilliant, right? Yes. All, all, the, all the speakers that were here. So thank you again. I'm glad to have met you. I will keep in contact with you because I do want to have sure. you on the show uh, and to talk about, uh, you know, a couple of different things. So we got oh, a couple sure. of I think we could uh, run run along with. And, and at some point, maybe even do stuff further in the future. We'll talk about that off here. Um, all right. Right. So, um, you know, because I do webinars, I'm setting up, you know, just like the these guys do and stuff like that. But we, I haven't been doing anything just to charge uh, for mm -hmm. we usually do free ones. But that's how we drum business up for the ones that are, you know, how that works. Sure. Yeah, we do cool. free ones, we kick it off to the ones that are being charged. And, and that way we can get those people to show up there. But you don't want to give everything away for free. Right? Of course. <laughs> just mostly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just yeah. mostly. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Thank uh, you. Great conversation. Uh, like I said, uh, there's a lot to unpack here that in my mind right now, I'm going, we need to talk to this lady a couple <laughs> of times, right? So I suggest to all of you out there, go and see. She's going to be emceeing as well. So mm -hmm. and I can already tell by talking to you guys, she has great charisma. She's she's uh, going to be a great emcee, right? So I can see it, she, her talking here tonight. Uh, I'm just like, yeah, she's she's got this. <laughs> I, 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 the reason I'm this good is because I like hearing the sound of my voice. That's, that's, that's basically what I... <laughs> So, you know, what's funny is I never, I hardly ever listen to myself. I hardly ever go back and listen to my own shows. I do them and I trust that whatever was channeled came through. Uh, and, and sometimes I don't even remember. That's what happens. What's weird. I'll go back and go, whoa, did I say that? Yeah. Right? Or, you know, that was a good question. Where did I come up with that? Yeah. Yeah. It came out of the, the, the ether because I, you know, that was a great question. And then other times I go, oh, bro, that was a bad question. So, I, so yeah. most of the time I don't want to hear myself. Anyway, all right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, like I said, we'll we'll talk soon, right? So those Absolutely. out there in the world, man, go back and if you miss this, go back and rewind and watch yeah, this from the beginning because there was a lot of stuff that we unpacked in this three hours and twenty nine minutes, three hours and thirty minutes. All right, yeah. guys. Namaste. Have a great night. Uh, have a good day, depending on where in the world you are. Again, tuning into the show. 
and the MP3 broadcast. Uh, you guys know about it now, but it'll be up for those of you who uh, would want to hear it again and not have to watch the visuals. That'll be up either later today or tomorrow, uh, probably tomorrow because it's now it's getting late over here at night. So <laughs> probably tomorrow the MP3 broadcast will be up. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thank you. See ya.